January the 6th, 2019. We made it, folks. Happy New Year to all our listeners, everyone out there in the Chairshot universe. We hope you had a pleasant holiday season and are currently enjoying a happy and prosperous New Year. And I'm not, but I hope you are. Um, We're back with another surefire bumper edition of the the chair shop podcast i hope you're all very comfortable we've got so much to talk about we're going to talk about the holidays we're going to talk about our year end uh rewards yes you all get um you know bonus points for listening um year year end awards um as well as tons of other uh first time reviews and uh some some wrestling news because there was actually some wrestling news this week um just tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff going on so we hope you're looking forward to it i am one of your hosts barry murphy joined as always by my ever dependable co-host first of all mr joe towner hello there barry and also mr paul griffin happy new year everyone Happy New uh, Year. So, it is a new year. New year, new us. Or should we say new year, same us. Like, let, let the folks know the old reliables will always be here. Um, <laughs> doing the same thing. Bringing, bringing them the goods, you know what I mean? Bringing them this this stuff that they really love and care about. Uh, this podcast. Um, uh, I don't know about you lads, but I had a, a pretty tame Christmas. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. I uh, had a pleasant Christmas. It was a good one, you know. I got my went home to my mammy. Had my big my Christmas dinner. Had Ooh. my Christmas lions, you know. Had my uh, um, you know had a, had an all right New Year um, as well. You know, went out, went to went, you know, did the did the usual stuff. But not, you know, not a whole lot to report on. You know, getting older, slowing down, not going mad anymore with these youngsters. Um, yeah, what, sure. what about you, lads? What kind of what kind of holiday season did you enjoy? Well, kind of similar. Yeah, Christmas Day is a busy one, but then the week after that, did absolutely nothing, be big, except watch the TV and go for a walk occasionally. That was about it. Uh, then New Year's just went around some friends, had a few drinkies, Chinese takeaway, and uh, celebrated the New Year. That was about it. So a uh, blessed, blessed, quiet uh, Christmas. I think ours is kind of, kind of similar, yeah. Quiet, quiet Christmas. Um, even the Brazilian half of Christmas, which tends to be kind of the more mad, loud party side, was yeah. kind of quiet this year. Um, and then, of course, down to Leeksip. Originally, our plan was to go down to my parents' house for like three days. Uh, we stayed there for like <laughs> for like a week. Um, so I ran out of clothes eventually. Just to walk around in nude. Um, no, I think I think I wore the same jeans for like a good week and a half. Um, like that song from a few years ago. I got the same jeans on now. Um, and then same for New Year's. New Year's in our in 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 my parents' house. They usually get all the neighbors around, and to be honest, I can't stand a lot of the neighbors. But they get they get. They get <laughs> 
they get the names around and it's it's just people and there's you know whatever songs and happiness and that again this year just just a quiet a quiet one i think i think everyone was away or or i don't know what they're doing dead or something but uh yeah nice and quiet just the way i like it um a lot of time dedicated to watching movies playing video games uh all that stuff did a lot did did quite a lot of uh walking in, in the shade of Joe Towner there. Um, did a lot of walking. One of the days I did a good, like, 10K walk, I think. Jeez. Um, yeah, just, you know, when when you eat lots of sweets and over Christmas, you have to mitigate for that. So, did lots of walking. Did a big walk today, actually. Because uh, I had to go buy hay for the guinea pigs. So, I did a bit, probably five or 6K walk today. So, lots of walking. Um... And I'm sure we're going to talk about all the movies and video games that I played uh, later on in the show. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I, think I had a, a similar uh, uh, season to yourselves in the sense of just uh, watched watch, watch some stuff, played some stuff, you know. Like Paul, I, I, we went down to the neighbours as this holiday tradition and I was just like, oh, do I have to be here, baby? Um, my bed is calling my name. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, you know, I think I think I think we're all still. I mean, we're kind of back in the swing of things now. We're we're, we're out of those weird gray uh, days where nobody knows what day of the week it is or what's going on. Um, uh, so that's good. Um, yeah, kind of just um, back on the uh, back on the old grind, back in work and all this other stuff. Uh, any other life guff there aside from the holidays? Any other life guff worth discussing? Because I know it's been a quite a few weeks for me. Well. Just one extra bit of news. So uh, started the show a little bit late because I was um, just finishing dinner there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mich- Michelle and I tried these new uh, vegan burgers from Iceland. Ooh. So what they are, it's not your typical, um, you know, chickpea and sweet corn thing. It's the new thing like the Impossible Burger where they actually kind of cook and look and taste just like meat. Right. Um, so we got We got a couple. Mm. Popped them in the old uh, frying pan earlier. Tell you what, lads, bloody delicious. Huh. They oh. were very, very good. Very, very good. Had the same kind of meaty texture as uh, meat. Um, nice and kind of char grilled on the outside. Nice kind of flavour as well. So you know, I highly recommend those. I think we will definitely be popping back to Iceland for another go of those. They're called the um, the No Bull Burger. Uh, see what they've done there. Um, they also do, I think, chicken and, and sausages as well. So we'll definitely be popping back. And uh, here's to uh, a vegan new year. You are? There's layers to that joke. No bull. I like it. It's very good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got that one. You got that one. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, as Daniel Bryan, as Daniel Bryan says, we've got to start start um, reducing our consumption. You know what I'm saying? If we're going to save this planet. So there we go. I'm, I'm starting. I love that all it took to to get Joe on the on the you know conserve the planet go vegan bandwagon was was Brian Danielson telling him so. And uh, Brian Hilton immediately become you know, that's, vegan. That's 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 the true meaning of the term influencer right there, folks. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, why don't we get why don't we jump in here to our, our various uh, uh, guffs? Um, got a, a bevy of topics to get into here uh what about telegoff this is kind of one thing that i've kind of neglected over the break 
I uh, I, I kind of picked up watching Daredevil again, but I haven't finished it yet, and I, I haven't watched anything new. So, what about you, boys? Anything anything to report on? We watched um, the the episode six of uh, Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Uh, very good. Very very good. Um. I mean, I, I'm kind of a kind of a skeptic when it comes to um, the marveling at like long one shots or let's say just long shots. Um, if there's not something interesting happening, you know, I, I, this, the sake of it being a long shot just for being a long shot doesn't doesn't necessarily interest me. But I think the way they did it definitely added kind of to the the claustrophobic feeling of being in the the, the funeral home and. Um, as it transitioned from there to the titular house, um, I thought it worked really well. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot, and I, I kind of see where all the, I can easily see where all the hype for it was coming from. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can close out Hill House in the next couple of weeks. Finally, get it finished. We've been really lagging behind and watching it, but that episode uh, really kind of <laughs> kickstarted again my my interest in the show. It's very very good, and I like that. It, it 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 almost felt like a finale of a season in a way in that a lot of the a lot of the little threads were kind of paid off to an extent here a lot of secrets that characters had been keeping kind of came out in the open finally and i guess the rest of the season will be kind of the the fallout from that but uh yeah definitely definitely felt like a high point of the series so far and episode 5 was great as well so two back to back very good episodes uh, of what is a very good series yeah. Um, so yeah, you, 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 you still watching like what one a week or something? Yeah, probably one one a week, um, one every two weeks, some some something in that range. Yeah, depending on the time that the free time I have. But it's great. I mean, the fact that I don't watch it very quickly isn't any um, doesn't have any bearing. Oh no, of course, the quality of the show. It's certainly an excellent show. <clears throat> Um, so uh, so I, um, I watched a TV little TV show. Um, it's called Bandersnatch. Don't know if you lads have, have heard about this. Yeah, the, the Zeitgeist. Been, been all over the, the Twitters and all that. It is the Hill that. House of like this week. Of this, yeah, of the past. In fact, week. my brother, I was talking to my brother about episode six of Hill House, and he was like, "You're too late. <laughs> Just stop watching it." <laughs> <laughs> What kind of attitude is that? Jesus. <laughs> He's like, everyone was talking about that three months ago. You're, Bandersnatch is the new thing. Oh, God. No, he didn't say that, but I could feel it from him. Was it Jack? Like, our mutual friend Jack, um, who gave out to me once for, like, I I, I think we I came into our old chat once and was saying, after watching Donnie Darko, oh, brilliant. And he was like, that movie came out 11 years ago or whatever. That's a, that sounds like some dumb shit he would get annoyed about and act like he, you know, act act indignant about for no reason. Yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, by the way, Donnie Darko, very good movie. Yeah, that's what I hear. I've never watched that was it. Like it. That was like, can I just go bullshit up? <laughs> anyway, Bandersnatch. So it's a new episode of Black Mirror, um, which is interactive. So it's kind of like choose your own adventure. Yeah. yeah. Um, thing. Um, so I've never actually read one of those like choose your own adventure books because I'm not a massive mark. But um, I thought I'd go with, <laughs> well, I like I like Black Mirror and um, 
you know, Charlie Brooker always comes up with something interesting. Um, I really enjoyed the setting and the kind of characters and the sort of general kind of theme and concept behind it. Um, kind of run into trouble because uh, there's a decision you have to make about kind of five, ten minutes into the into the, the show. And I chose an option which then uh, almost kind of led to me having to restart the thing again. Oh, no. And I was like, I didn't, I thought choose your own adventure meant you literally, whatever you chose, it just kind of took you down a, a different strand. Right. So if I chose this, it, it takes me down this strand and then I choose again, it takes me down another strand and so on and so on until I get to the end of the, the story. Yeah. So I chose this, I did the option, it sent me back to the, and it kind of like fast forward, you know, skips through the beginning again and takes you back to the point where you make the choice. Um, so I just chose the same thing again. Uh, and then it sent me back to the beginning, made me watch all the first bit again and, and choose again. Oh. So I just chose the same thing again. And guess what happened? You got around circles. It took me back to the beginning. Yeah, it just it just did the same thing again. And I thought at that point, I thought, well, I'm not sure I'm actually going to like this that much. Yeah. It's already annoyed me because um, it's not really a choose your own adventure if it if the first big choice only really has one option. Well, this I mean, in those old um, choose your own adventure books. Some of them are like, do you want to go left or do you want to go right? And then if you pick right, it's like, ah, oh, you died. Back to that. <laughs> that's that's just the choice. The end. That's basically it. Yeah, yeah. and um, so that kind of reminded me. But I carried on, and it kind of got a bit better. It's kind of in- intriguing. Um, there's some interesting stuff in it, but I just kind of found that it, it wasn't actually that clever. It was kind of frustrating and a bit uh, kind of deflating to, to keep having to kind of go back and redo bits. Right. And I think ultimately I'd rather would have just watched a regular episode. It was it was kind of, you know, a good, good experiment, but I didn't particularly enjoy the experience kind of overall. Hmm. Mm, yes, yeah, I watched that yet. I'm interested to check it out. Um, you know, I like I like the the um, I like that genre of video game. You know, I like the the you know adventure story narrative focused thing. Your life is strange. You're Walking Dead or whatever. Um, yeah, I've got kind of cold on Black Mirror lately. It doesn't really do it for me anymore. But um, <laughs> yeah, so how did what? What uh, what device or setup did you use to, to play this? So we just watched it on the, on our smart TV. Um, so it's fairly straightforward. I know I think some devices uh, it doesn't work or it's a bit different. So I guess if you're watching on a phone or something, or I don't know, maybe through like a, a console. But yeah, it worked worked fine. It was that that part of it was done very kind of seamlessly and very well. So kind of when you choose your selection, it, it carries on playing and it's completely seamless the scene just plays on the music and everything so it was technologically really good but just kind of as a narrative ended up being a bit frustrating fair enough um mm-hmm. yeah i heard it's uh it's uh, like compatible with the vast majority of uh things that play netflix but uh, i think apple tv i think it's not and some which is kind of a, a big one um uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I might check it out maybe in time for next week's show. Yeah, I'm still uh, checking. What uh, I think that oh wait no that's it that's our our, our TV guff for this week. Uh, game guff. It's been the holiday season. Um, 
bit of time off, bit of time to jump in to them old uh, video games. Paul, you've been playing Smash Brothers. Uh, I have been playing Smash Brothers Ultimate, Barry. I got for Christmas on the old Switcheroo. Uh, I've already unlocked every character in the game. Uh, I'd say I'm probably a total of about between 15 and 20 hours in. Uh, I've unlocked everyone in the game in adventure mode in the um, world of light. I think I've... Uh, what's the word even? Like beaten somewhere in the range of 250 to 300 spaces. Jesus Christ. Um, it's funny when I started it, right? Because um, I, I, don't, I don't know why, because I've played every Smash Brothers game, but this one I found I just found it difficult to um, to get good at very quickly. Because um, I started World of Light and I've, I just found it very, very difficult. I know that you also um, like unlock extra skills as you go, but I was having real difficulty beating even novice enemies. Uh, so, uh, not afraid to say, I put it on easy mode for a little while. Ooh. Put, it on bad, put it on babby mode. Beat a few. Uh. And, uh, and then I was actually shamed by, by uh, one of my friends into putting it back up to normal mode. Luckily enough, at which point I kind you of... You did it yourself. That's worse. You actually did it. You let yourself be shamed. Well, he said it, and I, I did feel shame. I felt embarrassed. So I, I did put it back up to normal mode. But luckily, at, at the oh. point that it happened, I was already sufficiently good at the game that I, I, I could kind of go with the... Actively ruining his own enjoyment of the game to not be owned by a bigger boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm playing on, on normal difficulty now. I've maybe three quarters of the map defogged and... Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to play it to completion. I can't see myself playing it to 100% completion just because of the sheer number of spirits to unlock. I'm like, I'm happy I've unlocked all the characters, um, and when I when I beat down the World of Light mode, uh, that'll most likely be it. Uh, in terms of being a one-player game, you know, I'll dip in and he- here and there from like multiplayer or party game, or whatever. But um, I do quite like it. Um, I did have a second wind for whatever reason when it came to World of Light because I think the first five hours or so, um, as as we discussed on the podcast, I was like, okay, I I, I get what they're doing, um, but it just wasn't clicking for me. I just it it just was very felt very, very repetitive, uh, and as I said, the difficulty spike because no, of no fault but my own. Uh, I just found it hard to get into, and then for whatever reason, I like I did. I don't think I played it for two days, and then I picked it up again, and. It just kind of clicked finally, and and I've played it like I said a good maybe twelve hours further. Um, I do like the kind of um, the way that it works in, in terms of simulating these characters who aren't in the game. Like one one of my favorite things that I used to like in football games, which no football game has anymore, was scenario mode, where like mm. on the old. SNES, for example, you'd have you're England and you're losing 2-1 to Italy and there's five minutes left and you have to go in and, and play with these parameters, you know? So I don't mind that, but I, I, I do wish that there was just a little bit more in terms of story or something more for you, you to kind of, you know, dig into aside from just being fight after fight after fight after fight after fight. And, uh, and as you get more and more skills and as you get more and more spirits, it does, you know, become easier. So I, I'm, I'm almost putting up to hard difficulty at this stage because i i do feel like i'm starting to just breeze through people 
Um, I I still so I I played quite a bit of Smash Brothers over the Christmas. I I had a couple of actually multiplayer sessions with pals. It is a great party game. I had I, I had one just last night that I had a great great time with. But in general, I just don't think I like Smash Brothers in general that much. I just don't think it's especially like fun to play. It's no Mario Kart. I'll say that much. No Mario Kart. It's also no uh, regular fighting game where, where it's like you know easy to comprehend. I think it's kind of inscrutable, and I think it's kind of weird. And I feel like even just the actual responsiveness of the controls, I don't think it's especially satisfying in that regard. I feel like I'm constantly fighting to get my fucking character to look in the right direction. For Christ's sake! Well, this is yeah. This is one uh, thing that the computer uh, characters constantly do is they will jump over you. And you'll turn to him, and they will have already jumped back to the other side. So you're constantly just turning left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, until you can finally land a hit yeah. on one of them. It does make you feel very stupid. And I, and I hate that. Yeah, I see your point. Um, no, I mean, I mean, feeling stupid. Well, can't help you there. Uh, and the world of light, I mean, I, I've kinda, I went back to it a bit, and I kind of, a little bit, I, I don't I'll ever finish it. So... Um, so annoying is basically the only the only term I have for it. But you know, I I, I have had some multiplayer fun with with um, uh, uh, with Smash Brothers. Um, yeah. So uh, what else you play in there this holiday season? Uh, well, I got a few uh, other games on the old Switch. I got a little game called Yoku's Island Express. Oh yes. Have you played this one? Uh, no, I'm very familiar with it. Though. Yeah, I'm. Uh, Probably an hour into it, maybe no more than that. Um, Yoku's Island Express is, for all intents and purposes, like a Metroidvania. Uh, although the art style is very reminiscent of the the latest Rayman games, like Rayman Origins, Rayman Legends. It definitely looks like it, it could be um, like an offshoot of that series, visually, anyway. But the kicker is that the the way the, the, the platforming is framed is that it's like a, like a pinball machine. So the controls are essentially, you've left and right, you have the A button to interact with various things, and then your your left and right triggers are like triggers on a pinball machine. So there's parts of the level that are little bumpers, and you're bumping your ladder around the level like a pinball. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Um, so I picked that up on the cheap. I think it was only maybe 15 euro or something like that. Yeah, it's, 15, yeah, it's Um And it's like, I think I think it's... A perfect Switch game. I, I, I tend to not like when people say, it's a great Switch game because you can just play it for a minute and then throw your Switch out the window again. <laughs> but but it, it, it's that's the way I haven't played it, to be fair, is when I'm going down to uh, make something to eat or I'm gonna I'm just sitting on the bed for five minutes before I go to the shop, it's definitely a game that I can kind of switch on, advance a little bit, and then put it on hold again for, until the next time. It's not a game that I'm necessarily going to beat in one sitting, um, but it, it is very good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I also played and beat a PSVR game called Astrobot Rescue Mission. Oh, I haven't even finished that yet. You fucking lapped me. Yeah, I, I beat it already. Um, that's a very fun game. That's a very fun. Did game. you wait buy a VR? No, my brother has one, and I was down at the. Oh, I said, down yes, yeah, you Christmas. said that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, the music's great. Number one. Um, just fucking bopping along to the songs. Um, and yeah, I mean, if it wasn't a VR game, I think it would be kind of just a, a very standard, typical platformer. But it, it's the VR that gives it life. You know, the 
the fact when there's a little ledge just out of view and you have to stand up and look around the corner and oh is there a little robot for me there and and, and getting to the end of a level like essentially how astrobot works very simple ideas you, your your goal is just to get to the end of the level and as you progress you have to collect these eight robot friends and find the chameleon in the level and i will have got through a level and i'd be like i only got six robots where the f- where, where, where are the other two and i've got i there was this one level i think it's like the second level in this the game was error. <laughs> well the second level in the game specifically is called like vertigo go or something i went through that level like five times <laughs> i swear i could not find these two robots um but yeah, as I said, I, I've beaten the game. I haven't done all the challenges yet. I've done a few of the challenges, but I've beaten the main line, let's say. Uh, found every robot and every chameleon. Um, and that's a hell of a game. I love Astrobot. And I've also started, and I'm almost completed as well. So keep, keep that track, right? Started and almost completed Smash Bros. at this point. Started and completed Astrobot. Started and almost completed Batman Arkham City. Um, because I also got Batman Arkham VR. And I believe that that's set at, after C, But before Arkham Knight. So, as not to spoil it, I thought, fuck, Arkham City is not that long game. 10 hours, 12 hours, whatever. I'll just fucking mainline that and, and beat it. Um, so, I'm nearly at the end of Arkham City, is my understanding. I'm. Uh, what made you think 10 hours long? Where did you get that from? I looked up on howlongtobeat.com or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's been a while since I've played that game. That doesn't seem accurate. It's, uh, well, I, I'm really just mainlining. I'm not spending a lot of time um, like uh, adventuring or looking at looking for side quests to do. And this, I'm just doing the main quest, basically. And I'm at, yeah. the, I'm at the point where what's it called? Like Project 10 or whatever it is, that that's happening now. So I have to, I have to go chase helicopters or whatever. Um, so I'm more or less at the end of the game, um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I think Arkham City is a game that's not really aged very well, especially in like a post Spider-Man uh, world. Um, like I I played Arkham Asylum last year, I think, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And Arkham City, I don't think is as good. Um, I I really don't like the character design of the game. I don't like the art style of the game at all. It reminds me of those um, uh, WWF Sweat Superstar Toys. Do you remember those ones? And they're all, all muscly and ugly. The game is like that, basically. It's just it's just ugly. It's an ugly game. Um, Batman, of course, doesn't control as fluidly as, let's say, Spider-Man, which is ki- kind of an unfair comparison, given that there's like seven years between the games coming out. But um, Batman just kind of feels leaden and heavy. And... Um, yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I I whereas I really really enjoyed Arkham Asylum because it felt cramped and it felt it felt like a Metroidvania, but like a three D Metroidvania. Arkham City and the fact that it's open, uh, Ar- Arkham City itself isn't isn't that big compared to something like Spider Man, of course. But it just kind of loses a bit of that charm, I think. Um, and I just don't think the story is as compelling as Arkham Asylum was. Uh, you'll notice, by the way, the list of games that I've started does not include Hitman 2 or Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, yeah. You were supposed to start... <laughs> I remember you said you were going to do uh, Dead Over Christmas. What happened there? Uh, just other games I was more interested in playing. <laughs> Red Dead. Once I beat Arkham Asylum, or Arkham City, and once I beat Arkham VR, Red Dead 2 is next. Um, 
I just, yeah, I just didn't I, get to it. There was other games that I preferred to play. <laughs> that, that's as simple as it was. I also bought um, Into the Breach, but I haven't started yet. Oh, well, Into the Breach, I could just never wrap my head around, so maybe you'll be better at that than I will. Mm. Uh, I played a lot of Red Dead over Christmas. I feel like I kind of really kind of broke the back of it. And I, the the story's really starting to move now. I'm actually, I think as of like this afternoon, I'm on, I'm on like the home stretch. Okay. Uh, yeah, really, really enjoying the story. I still have all the same problems it's just such a finicky game. It's just so fucking particular in how you play it. Uh, and all those problems I've had from earlier are still very much there. I had this one very specific problem with it uh, in the last week. I, uh, I I go up to these dudes in, in one of the first towns you visit. And they, they, there's a side mission. And they're a pair of wacky characters. They're a pair of twins, and they, like, they're angry at each other. They despise each other, and they're trying to impress a girl. And they're like, they come up to your character, and they go, will you shoot bottles off our heads to prove I'm the most daring? And the other twin goes, no, I'm the most daring. Shoot bottles off my head. And it's like, so, so you enter into like a, a shooting bottles off of heads mini game, right? But because the gun I had last equipped before I did this mission was a sawn-off shotgun, they okay. gave me a sawn-off shotgun at the start of this mission and just did not let me access my weapon wheel to pick something else. Why is anyone's guess? Why they, first of all, just automatically gave me the most recently used weapon? Uh, why they wouldn't let me change it is completely unbeknownst. So this goofy little, should have been 30-second side mission, it took me about 10 minutes to do because they kept blowing their fucking heads off because I'm at, like, <laughs> point-blank range with a shotgun. And I'm aiming at their heads. Oh, it was so infuriating. And it's like, you can't pull up the weapon wheel. You can't move off the spot you're standing on. You can't do anything. You can, and, you know, your only option, I think, is, like, quit the game and kind of load it back up. I mean, oh, my God. It was so... And that's just a tiny little one example. That's one 10-minute thing out of a 60-hour game. But there's, like, dozens of things like that that are just constantly happening and, and irritating me. But with all that said, like I said, the, the, the story is starting to move. And it is a great, great story. Uh, uh, and and it's also just like you know, still just a gorgeous game. Every time I get to a new part of the map, I'm like, wow, this is really impressive and visually striking. So I think I'll probably fi- I think I should have this finished by uh, uh, next next week's show. I would I would think. Uh, so uh, so yeah, I played that. Uh, I got WWE 2K19 for Christmas as I as I had requested. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Santa. Uh, it's all right. It's yeah, from Santa. Uh, it seems like it's a it's a decent one of those games i haven't played it that much but i've had some fun with it uh and i played some phone games on the mobile telephone Uh, i played hold down which is Mm -hmm. one word which is like a version of breakout uh well it's actually it's not super similar to breakout but you're like uh shooting uh uh, shooting a ball at this uh, grid trying to break these blocks and they have they have the amount of hits it's required to break them written on them and so uh, there's a little bit of, you're, you're, you're kind of keeping that in mind. Uh, and I played a game called Chuchel, which is C-H-U-C-H-E-L, which is a, it's, it looks like a, like a Eastern European cartoon. It looks like Worker and Parasite. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if you Google Chuchel, you'll, you'll get a vibe of what I mean. It's a very unique art style and it's kind of a point and click adventure thing. You've got these little uh, cartoon characters it, it's almost like they're each level is like a skiss. You try to find a cherry uh, in the level, and it's always uh, obfusc- obfuscated by a weird environmental puzzle or a ca- you know a, a giant character is sitting on it, 
get the character off his arse and all you can do is just tap the screen and it's like oh talk to him or push him throw something at him you know it's it's uh it's more kind of a stylish thing than any kind of challenging game but it's fun uh i, I recommend both of those uh i think they're on android and ios both um yeah well uh, i I, I, b- I bought a phone game as well which i also haven't started called florence i bought florence as well i uh, i'm looking forward to I playing that I heard it's less than an hour long, so I'm, hmm. I'm hopeful to uh, burn through it there in uh, in one go. So this the uh, thing is because the end of the year, uh, lots of end of year best of list shows. So I heard I heard that come up a couple of times. So I was like, oh, that sounds like something I would enjoy. Yeah, all three of those phone games I, I heard about on, on the the Giant Bomb uh, Giant, uh, Game of the Year podcast. So I was like, all right, uh, I'll give them a go. Uh, but yeah, I'm a. Uh, 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 working my way through Red Dead. I'm also I am still working my way through Hitman uh, and Astrobot as well. Those are the three I kind of want to finish fairly sharpish. I, they're kind of the three big ones hanging over me from 2018 before the big releases of this year come out. Uh, you know, got Resident Evil 2 this month, hmm. uh, which I'm very excited about. Uh, some other stuff on the horizon. So uh, we will move on there from the game Guff. Uh, and we will talk a little bit about movies. We got a shit ton of movies to talk about. I'll just go first because I have one. Uh, I saw that Mary Poppins movie. Uh, Mary Poppins Returns with Miss Emily Blunt. Uh-huh. Oh, blimey, Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that, that, that's the thing. The, this, the first 20 minutes of this movie are the most disgustingly British thing ever. It's all, oh, bother, Papa, I've lost my penny farthing up the chimney sweep. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like comical. But um, yeah, so Mary Poppins Returns, good movie. Uh, like the songs, like the art style. It's a very nice looking movie. Uh, like all the performances. Um, a bit too long, a smidge too long. There's like one song towards the end of it that's not that good, and it goes on and on and on forever. And I think, okay, you could cut that, and you wouldn't be missing too much. Um, uh, and you'd also tighten up this runtime, which would be appreciated. It's like Cody Rhodes' entrance at that first scrap. It was it was the Cody Rhodes' entrance of uh, Disney. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's good. It's a solid watch. Um. Uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't have too much to say about it. I was originally, I only went to see it because I was originally going to go and see Holmes and Watson. Uh, but uh, the bus ran late, and I was like, okay, well, I'm 10 minutes late now. Oh, well, I'm 20 minutes later. Well, oh, well, I'm 30 minutes. Okay, now, as, as well as apparently being shy, I've also missed the first half hour of this film. You know what? Mary Poppins starts in 15 minutes. I'll just go to that instead. Yeah. Uh, probably ended up h- helping me out in the long run because I'm sure there was not. I did not miss out on much by not going to see uh, that abomination. But uh, yeah, that's my one film there this week. Right. Um, so I finished watching The Predator. Oh uh, yeah, from last week. I did indeed give it a one out of ten in the end. Uh, oh, w- w- just only oh, got worse as it went on. Turned out. <laughs> um, just, just a mess in in almost every way, and and got like offensive towards the end, where, um, I I think I mentioned two weeks ago that it was it was hinted at but not explicitly stated that uh, Tremblay's character has autism. Uh, they at the end of the movie they uh, hint that that is actually an, the next evolutionary step. 
and I was I my jaw kind of hit the floor. I was like, this this movie is so stupid. Um, yeah, so I, I I did go the old one out of ten on that. Uh, worst movie I saw all year. Not to spoil any of the awards coming up, but that was uh, oh, I wish I could erase it from my memory. Um, oh, I liked it. Dreadful, <laughs> dreadful, dreadful shite. Um, uh, no way it was worse than Slenderman. If you'd watched, Slenderman, I, well, I did. I did not watch Slenderman. Uh, Slenderman is like one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire life. It was uh, oh god. Yeah, I anyway, think, I think I gave two ones this year. I think it was Venom and the Predator. I think that was it. Yeah, oh, come on now, come on now. Well, some of us have Paul, some Paul, of us have standards. Barry, all no fun, Griffin. That's what we've learned here. Uh, I did well. Hang on, I then watched Jingle All the Way again. Oh well, I've been proven wrong. <laughs> uh, we actually sat the whole family down to put Jingle All the Way on, <laughs> with the commentary as well. <laughs> um, ah, uh, brilliant! I, lo- I love Jingle All the Way, and watching again, just as good. Yeah. Uh, we were all saying the bits along with the movie. Uh, even my my dad was just laughing and loving it. Yeah, well, Jingle All the Way is great. <laughs> Jingle All the Way is great. Um, don't need to spend too much time on that. If you want to listen to our movie commentary, you can go to chairshotpodcast.com slash episodes slash yeah, G-A-T-W, I think it is. Um, I then watched... If, yeah, no. not that red letter media one where they they Don't do not understand the movie. Do not listen to other commentaries. No. Yeah, all of the commentaries are a first of all uh, impeaching, uh, you know, impeding on our copyright. Second of yeah. all, just wrong and bad and idiots. Uh, I then watched the uh, World War One documentary by Peter Jackson called "They Shall Not Grow Old." Oh, Have, yes. Either of you see this one? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really good. Um, in the sense that it kind of gives you an insight into war from a different point of view. Um, like I found some of it quite shocking. Not in the sense that um, it was to do with war and death and so on. You know, you kind of get that with everything. But that there was like these little boys basically going in to sign up at what age are you 15 well go outside and have a few birthdays come back <laughs> come back in and you see photos of, of and they're like kids in in their in their um uniforms and that and they're just so naive there's such a naivety about it where they're like well i had nothing to do so all my friends were going to war so i went to war um and this this was made of course using like archival footage from the whatever war i don't know the name of the museum or the whatever it's called and like 600 hours of interviews with people who were there so you get these like first um first hand accounts of it and it was really really interesting and really really eye-opening in that sense um i don't think it necessarily glorified the war if anything uh especially towards the end it gets very sad where it's like these these men after giving however many years of their life to the first world war because they went over when they were so young they came back from the war and they had essentially no skills and they found it very hard to kind of come back into society <laughs> and it was yeah very very sad towards the end but um i thought it was great obviously the gimmick if you want to call it that is that the the footage has been kind of touched up and colorized mm. and they've had actors come in and do kind of voiceovers but i don't think that is the 
necessarily the selling point of, of the film. That's uh, certainly a nice thing about it. But for me, the selling point is really the stories that are told and the way it's been edited and put together is really, really fantastic. So I thought it was very, very good. And I would definitely recommend it. I watched uh, the... Yeah. Equal- Sorry, go on, Joe. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, even, even the sort of relationships between the British and the German soldiers as well. Yeah. They touch on a lot of times how they kind of saw them as just being very similar to them but yeah. you know they were german but you know they were they were lads just like them um just really kind of interesting and quite touching as well i think it definitely uh, kind of opened my yeah. eyes to the difference between the first world war and the second world war oh yeah because i think a lot of people in their heads just kind of grouped them together as two things like one person that i when i mentioned i'd watched this movie they were saying they asked me, "Was was it like all you know, kind of poppy propaganda, or whatever?" I was like, "That was a different. That was a different world war. <laughs> that wasn't even the same war." Yeah, and it, it definitely doesn't feel like it's been told from that point of view. It's it's very earnest and very straightforward with its story. You know, I don't think it's. It is, of course, told from a, a positive viewpoint, um, but it's positive about the people, not necessarily about the situation they're in. There's a lot of um, a lot of death in it, so if you're squeamish about seeing some corpses uh look away yeah. for half the movie but uh, it's it's not in not in a shocking way necessarily it's just a very stark stark <laughs> situation they're in you know um but yeah i, th- I think it kind of crept into my my top movies of the year it was that good uh i watched equalizer 2 the sequel to the denzel washington uh, vigilante movie from a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, I thought it was better than the first one, uh, but at the same time, it, it I, I felt like as I was watching it, it was already kind of going out of my mind. I don't I don't think it's particularly memorable. Um. Yeah, I thought I actually thought the same thing as well. I I hadn't seen the first one. I watched it a couple of days before the second one came out. And yeah, my re- reaction watching them back to back like that was, I think this one is better, to be honest, than the first one. But also like that, I probably would struggle to recount something that happened in it. I guess this, there's a sniper battle that I recall happening. Yeah, the, the, the first movie at least has kind of the the bigger, I, th- I think the better set pieces, like where he's in the DIY store at the end, the Woodies or whatever it is. Um, yes, yeah, that's great. Like, I like that. Equalizer 2 doesn't do that as well, I think, but... There's some, I think there's some better performances in Equalizer too. Like I particularly like um, the kid from Moonlight who's in it. I don't know the actor's name, but he was the the middle Chiron in Moonlight. He's he's in it as kind of a a young a young black man, kind of on the verge of of getting stuck in with the wrong crowd. And there's one one great scene between him and Denzel, um, where they really kind of stretch their acting chops. And I was kind of watching it thinking this this scene is too good for. Equalizer too. Yeah, I know the exact one you're talking about. Yeah, it's like Denzel showed up to work today. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily go out of my way to recommend the movie uh, simply on the strength of that. I think it was it's kind of a a bang average sequel. I would say uh, even the first movie is not necessarily that recommend recommendable. Uh, and then I watched The Greatest Showman with old Hugh Jackman. Oh yeah, uh, quite enjoyed it. But then I'm I'm kind of a sucker for musicals anyway. I do <coughs> I do enjoy a musical, and uh, you know some of the songs in it are very good. Uh, the plot's a little bit lightweight and a little bit, uh, what's even the word? A little bit too saccharine and a little bit too idealistic. Where it's like you know 
P.T. Barnum sets up his his circus. And, and the way the film frames it is that he he does it from a kind of humanist point of view, where he wants to put these give these people the 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 stage to go out and be themselves and be accepted by society. Whereas I'm sure the reality was he wanted to do it as a he, freak show he was, to make money. Yeah, he was Vince McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, um, there's a lot of charming performances in it. Um, I think Zac Efron and Zendaya have a real charisma that you don't see in a lot of movies, or a real chemistry, let's say. And uh, they have their one their one duet is kind of almost the, the high point of the movie. Um, so it's one that I recommend on the strength of the songs alone. It's, it's very good musical. Um, probably one that if, if they start doing, maybe they have already, if they start doing as kind of a live musical, probably be fantastic. But... Uh, if you're going just based on the the plot alone and and the story, I don't know whether it's that strong, but um, certainly a good musical. And then to finish up the list of movies, I watched Blackfish, which is the the Sea World documentary about uh, the trainers who get killed by what's the name of the whale? <laughs> no, the um, Tim Re Willy Tilikum Tilikum. Not Free Willy. Not just Jericho. Uh, no, okay, well... Uh, have either of you seen Blackfish? No. No? No. It's no. um, it's definitely very kind of, again, eye-opening about SeaWorld and their practices. And SeaWorld definitely come off as very WWE in it, in that there's these things that happen. Obviously, people get injured, people get killed. And the SeaWorld's... PR is very quick to put a spin on it of, oh, the whales didn't do this. It was the trainer's fault. The trainer, human error. And they're constantly kind of blown up in their face. And it, it does it make SeaWorld look very bad in, in terms of how much they care about the people who work for them. Um, and the documentary definitely has kind of an agenda and has an angle, which I actually quite like in documentaries. I, I like a documentary that not only presents kind of the facts to you, but takes a stand either side, you know, as opposed to just being down the middle and, hey, you make up your own decision, you know, make up your own mind about it. No, you tell me what you think and make that the story. <laughs> um, no, you tell me what you think. <laughs> I, that's why I don't want to watch Bandersnatch. You just make a movie for me. Don't make me do it myself. Um, so, I mean, in, in terms of how much you want to... Um, you know, watch a movie with a grain of salt or whether you want to go kind of whole hog with the story that's being told is, is up to the viewer's discretion. But I think either either side you watch it, SeaWorld doesn't exactly come out looking looking good, you know? And um, there's definitely some shadiness going on, whatever you believe the, the filmmaker's agenda to be. Um, yeah, again, kind of a sad story and a, uh, something that in in 50 years' time... Uh, is going to be looked at maybe as the start of something that led to these kind of uh, like zoos and sea world stuff like that eventually being shut down, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was all the movies I watched in the last two weeks. Ooh, I got a few movies. I got a few movies. I'm going to race through these movies. Come on, right? First of all, Dumpling, which is a Netflix movie. Um, it's about a, a high school girl who's somewhat on the 
larger side. Um, you know, great personality and all that, so it's fine. Um, her mum is a former beauty queen played by Jennifer Aniston in a uh, wonderful turn by the former Friends star. Um, and I, to, to kind of challenge uh, stereotypes about, you know, body and look and what a beauty queen should be, um, the main character, who's nicknamed Dumpling by her mother, oh. um, he enters this beauty pageant to try and uh, subvert the whole thing. So the movie's kind of about that. It's also a bit of a theme, Dolly Parton theme running through it because uh, this girl and her aunt, who has passed away in the, before the movie begins, um, are both big Dolly Parton fans. There's a lot of Dolly Parton music and references in it. Uh, kind of all throughout, which makes it quite fun. And, you know, who doesn't love a bit of Dolly Parton? Um, so, yeah, quite a fun movie. Um, bit of a, you know, heartwarming, uplifting, funny movie for Christmas. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, we also watched Roma, which is uh, Alfonso Cuaron's yeah. uh, newest movie, which is another, I think it was a Netflix movie as well. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, set in 1970s Mexico. It's all done in the black and white and all that, so mm. you know, old, old it's looking, old movie. Yeah, yeah. You don't don't want color in these sort of movies. But it's about a kind of Mexican um, young Mexican woman who works as a kind of servant for a slightly more affluent family, and it's about her kind of life and say against the backdrop of a kind of me- revolution in Mexico or, or a big s- social shift. Um, it's quite interesting. It. it for me it, it was reminiscent of the the french nouvelle vague in the way it was shot and the, the cinematography that kind of thing yeah of Truffaut and, and goddard um it was oh. quite yeah quite an impactful movie <laughs> <laughs> barry listened to us talking about french New almost Come on. Oh, <laughs> well, barry you followed that from italian neorealism don't you know <laughs> oh listen super mario i love it <laughs> So the the entire thing is kind of shot. There's no real sort of close-ups or, or lots of cuts. It's all all in quite long shots and, and mid okay. shots. So you you feel quite kind of distant from what's going on uh, in many ways, which makes it it's not as obviously engaging from the beginning. But I think as as you go through it, it starts to kind of draw you in more. Um, so that was very good. I'd recommend that. Yeah, I uh, also watched watch that one. Also watched a uh, documentary over Christmas about the British pop group Bros who very few people will remember unless you were, grew up in the kind of late 80s, early 90s. But they were they were this boy uh, this boy band, two kind of twin brothers um, who, who formed a band. And they were absolutely huge, but only for about uh, two years. It was crazy. They went from kind of completely unknown to being uh, the, some of the biggest pop stars in the country, in Europe and Australia, and then basically disappeared within a year. It all kind of fell apart. Uh, This was called When the Screaming Stops, and it was them doing like a reunion show. And it is a lot of it is kind of unbelievable. You know, the the, uh, invoking David Brent when it comes to documentaries is probably overdone. But this is the absolute kind of epitome of of Brentism. Uh, People just start coming out with things that they think sound incredibly sort of intelligent or or insightful or interesting, but are actually just completely nonsensical, pretentious rubbish. Um, So it was full of it was full of kind of moments like that, which were really cringeworthy and really funny. But it's also kind of interesting, a little bit sad because you got these two guys that were uh, really big stars when they were very very young. They were still quite young teenagers. 
Um, they went through all that this cycle of fame and were kind of, you know, chewed up and spat out very quickly. Um, so it's kind of a, a slight sadness and, and kind of laughing at some of the things they said did make me feel a little bit bad because it's like, well, it, it, they, with what they've been through and, and being on, spending most of their life in the public eye, it's it, it, you can't really blame them to some degree, but it's still hilarious. So that's really good. I'd recommend that. Um, we also watched a little film called Blockers, or to give it its full title, Cock Blockers, um, starring a young man named John Cena, um, who plays a uh, father who happens to also be a humongous bodybuilder, uh, which isn't mentioned in the movie. Um, well, it's funny because he plays quite like a flittish, um, overly nerd. sensitive father. Like, he doesn't play the stereotype bodybuilder. Builder, not, not no, no, no. Um, yeah, he plays the father. He's like of, Ned Flanders, uh, almost. He, yeah, well, kind of. Um, so yeah, it's about a group of girls who it's their prom and they're all planning to lose their virginity on that night. So it's kind of American Pie, but for for women because women want to have sex too. See, turns mm. out. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> And then all the parents, including John Cena and a couple of other people, find out and try to stop them from doing it. And blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of interesting take on, on the, you know, teenagers trying to lose their virginity movie that's, that's been done quite a few times before. Because um, in this case, it's more about not the girls having to work hard to try and get a boy to sleep with them. It's about the parents being overly protective and, and saying... Oh, you know, girls can't make that choice. Whereas if it was a boy, they'd probably be like egging them on. And yeah. it's it was kind of interesting. It was quite funny. Um, I wouldn't give it kind of you know ten out of ten or anything. It was more you know entertaining, entertaining movie. John Cena was was quite good. There's a few few very funny scenes in it, including the the beer chugging, uh, the butt chug, <laughs> the, the the butt beer chug scene is very mm. funny. Um, the pacing was kind of weird. It kept almost kind of peaking sort of various points, but it was only like halfway through the movie. And then I kind of felt it was getting towards a peak again, but it was still another 20 minutes to go. So it was, uh, in terms of the narrative, it was a bit, bit off, but overall pretty good. So that was Cock Rockers. Today we watched a film called uh, The Secret Garden, which is one of Michelle's favorite films. Not a lot to say about it. It's a kid's movie from the nineties. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I've seen uh, The Secret Garden. Did you enjoy the Secret Garden, Paul? It's all right, isn't it? Like a ITV adaptation or something, or am I misremembering this? <laughs> movie. Who produced that? Not a TV movie. Okay, but uh, yeah, it was, it's good. Well, maybe I saw a, a different version of it, but I've seen a, yeah. a late eighties, right. early nineties, The Secret Garden. Yeah. Um, so that was fine, and then finally we watched The Shape of Water. Hmm. The uh, Oh, yeah. The Oscar-winning, yeah, picture, yeah. Where do woman fucks the fish, baby? Um, so I quite, quite enjoyed this. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to say about it. It was, it was good. It visually, also, it was really, really. It looked fantastic, and it had this amazing kind of sets and, and this look to it. Story kind of was interesting. It was what it was. Um, Michael Shannon was fantastic. That's a kind of real bastard heel um, who's, who's in charge at the office. Sally Hawkins was really good as a kind of, I think, playing to her strengths as a kind of quite timid, sort of mute 
um, woman who has a lot of kind of passion and strength underneath. I don't think that really suits her sort of strengths as an actor. Um, yeah, it was good. I wouldn't like to say it was the best, my best film of last year. Um, no. I, I guess it depends on what you like. If you're a big fan of, uh, what's his name? Who was it? Del Toro. Yeah, if you're a big fan of Del Toro, you probably loved it. Um, I'm not so much, so it, it wasn't great for me, but it's still, still pretty good. Yeah, I'm a big Del Toro guy, and I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of tonally a bit messy. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought performance-wise it was a bit messy. So I thought Octavia Spencer was a little bit like <laughs> shouty you know and weird in it. Um, yeah, I, 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 th- I think at times it, it tried to be very funny. At times it tried to be very serious. Um, I wish it was just a little bit more like pick one and go with it than try yeah. to do everything. Um, yeah. I did like it though. You know, as you say, I thought it wasn't like the best movie for me. It wasn't even the best movie that was nominated for me. But sure, look. And I think that is going to wrap up a bumper edition of Movie Guff. Now we get the real toy of this podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about some awards. <laughs> some awards to talk about here folks we have uh awards for all our guffs uh we have um we got wrestling awards as well and we've got some old favorites some of which are under a different name but uh if you've listened to the show for the past few years you'll know the deal with these awards we're going to run through our favorite things from the year uh we'll kick things off here we'll kick things off with our non-wrestling awards then we'll do the wrestling awards and then we'll segue into the news uh let me see here we'll start with the tv show of the year now i don't know about you lads i don't think i've watched as much telly this year uh as i typically do i watched you know some honorable mentions uh, american vandal season two was was fantastic uh, future season three was all right you know i, I was into it but uh my uh tv show of the year this year is something uh already discussed previously on this show i would really struggle to give it to anything other than the haunting of hill house uh, it's just a really really tremendous uh, uh, show across the board, uh, some some standout, memorable episodes, and and really consistent performances and writing and style throughout. Uh, yeah, we talked about it in depth uh, over, over the course of this year, really since it came out. So obviously, you know, folks listening regularly know what the deal is. But yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what Paul makes of it as he rounds it off there in the next uh, few weeks. So yeah, Haunting of Hill House, that's my best show of the year. What about you, Joe? Well, I think yeah, as you say, Barry, there's not. There wasn't a lot this year looking back that um, stood out for me TV-wise. There was quite a few good shows that I watched, but the hot take, please. Just uh, oh. <laughs> it's the bill. Um, it's done to the bill. Um, yeah, nothing that when I was thinking back that really stood out for me. Quite a few good shows, but nothing that I kind of take forward as a real favourite. Um, I think it's honourable mentions for me will go to uh, Little Drummer Girl, which was the BBC series uh, starring Yuanu's page in the movie. Um, I always forget her name. Florence Pugh. Um, Florence Pugh. Um, also, honourable mention to Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, which uh, 
watched for the first time this year and was uh, very pleasantly surprised and enjoyed a lot. Um, but I'm going to give my TV show of the year award to Inside Number Nine, uh, which is the anthology show that I started watching this year after hearing about it for a long that time. That was the one with the Halloween episode, right? Yes. So I don't even know if they did a series this year, to be honest, but I'm just on the strength of that Halloween special, which then led me to go back and watch um, all of the previous series, apart from series four, which I'm still to watch. Um, yeah, I thought that, that episode was really, really fantastic, really uh, kind of inventive and fun and interesting and scary. And the series itself is really, really good as well. So my TV show of the year, Inside Number Nine. Okay, well, obviously, I'm probably the lesser of, as a TV watcher of the three of us. Um, I've watched some good shows this week, or this year. <laughs> I watched House, Haunting a Hill House this week, and I ain't watched <laughs> nothing else. Uh, this year I watched uh, some good uh, Attack on Titan was back and was finally after two years off or something. Very good uh, series. Uh, Steven Universe I quite enjoyed. Um, Master Chef of the Professionals gave me the the the, the greatest of uh, peaks and the the lowest of lows. But um, yeah, it, although I haven't finished it yet, I I struggle to think of anything I've enjoyed as much this year as Haunting of Hill House. Um, I think each of the six episodes I watched so far have been individually great in in their own ways, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting it finished. But uh, it's a hell of a series, I tell you that much, and it, and it's a horror as well, which is something in years past I probably would have given a miss. But uh, the names attached to it and the 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 idea behind it kind of got its, its hooks into me, and as I watch it, I'm just loving it more and more. So there you go. So TV show of the year, Barry and Paul go with Haunting of Hill House, and Joe goes with Inside Number Nine. So both of those shows worth a watch. I think we can say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, movie of the year is up next. Our movie got found. I think this is the year I watched more movies than any other year in recent history. I still have some 2018 uh, big names I want to check out. Uh, before I do a, a definitive list, but I'm fairly sure I'm I'm pretty confident with my number one, my favorite movie this year. It was it was tough. There was there was I think I gave five stars to four films this year. Uh, I I saw a lot of great great films this year, um, but I think Sorry to Bother You was my favorite film year. Uh, one of my favorite film go is film seeing experiences uh, ever, um, and I actually cannot wait to rewatch that very very soon uh, on you know home on demand release or whatever you call us uh, what about you paul where you at there on the old movie of the year uh well i kind of feel like this year wasn't as strong as last year last year like yourself i gave five 10 out of tens i believe uh this year i've only only given two and they were both very early in the year i think i i haven't seen of course sorry to bother you i haven't seen roma yet I haven't seen the favorite yet so there's a lot of films that I'm just yet to watch that maybe will uh, jump to the top of the list, historically speaking. But uh, giving a few honorable mentions here to Black Klansman, which I thought was uh, a really yep. nice surprise, given that I had never seen a Spike Lee movie before. I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I thought it was poignant. I thought it was uh, very timely as a movie. I thought it was excellent. Uh, I liked The Breadwinner, which was one of the um, animated movies nominated for best picture this year uh, an irish 
uh, collaboration, I think, movie. I don't think it's necessarily an Irish movie, but certainly Irish people worked on it. Um, thought that was excellent. First Man, I know Barry wasn't so hot on, but I thought it was really excellent as well. Nice surprise again, because I went into it thinking I was going to be bored out of my mind. I uh, actually thought that was great. Uh, and Isle of Dogs, uh, the latest Wes Anderson movie, I enjoyed thoroughly as well. But movie of the year for me has to be a movie I saw very early this year, and that's Coco. Um, the latest Pixar movie um, because um, I think it's a movie that number one you know I think the story is very very clever and that's that's something that Pixar does very well is has these kind of high concept movies not necessarily high concept in the sense of something like upstream color or something but for, for kids let's say a, a high concept movie and I know for myself um I, I lost my grandmother in, who I was very close to, in January of 2005, or 2015, excuse me. And I don't think it spoils anything to say that Coco, as one of its themes, deals with um, the loss of family members and, and how important mm. it is to remember them and so on. And that really kind of affected me in a great way, and I kind of related to it in a very strong way. Um, cried, I think, twice or three times during it. Um mm. But from a very sincere place, you know, was was it's it's not a film that feels yeah. necessarily manipulative or or sacred. It's, yeah. it's not exploitative at all. No, it's 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 just kind of <laughs> real, and, and it it, it mm. made me think of a lot of old memories I had, and um, kind of brought them to the forefront. It made me think of a lot of things that I hadn't thought about in a very long time, and. Um, and even outside of that, I, thought, I just thought it was excellent in, in every way. I thought the performances were great. The songs were great. The twist that the story take, um, I didn't see coming. And I thought the, the conclusion of it was, was very, very satisfying. So I don't think I saw a movie, for, better, for me, better than Coco all year. Hmm. See, the thing is, I, I didn't count Coco because I saw that in 2017. Oh. Yeah. Otherwise, because yeah, Christmas twenty seventeen. I think we went to see it. Okay, I think I saw it in, in the cinema in early twenty eighteen. Probably sorry, John. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which means is this disqualified for your list then? Yeah, fortunately, means it's disqualified for me. But otherwise, it would probably definitely be the winner. Okay, well, for, um, for me then, the second movie would be Isle of Dogs. But if if, if I was no, disqualified, no, Coco. But I saw it in no, cinema. Yeah, that's okay. yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so for me again not a, a particularly strong year in terms of movies um, there are a few that I like and all of them I actually saw at the cinema which probably is uh, not a coincidence um, so I'd give honourable mentions to Black Klansman um, mm-hmm. which I thought was very uh, as we've said before very funny very entertaining very topical um, honourable mention to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse um, yeah, I really, I really which was and, you know, wouldn't have thought that that would be one of my favorite films at the start of the year, but it was absolutely fantastic. The, the soundtrack's great. The characters are great. The, the concept and ideas and everything was better. It was great. Animation was great. Just great, 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 great. Um, but I'm going to give my movie of the year to um, a movie that I think has been sort of criminally overlooked in award season so far, and that is uh, Wildlife, uh, directed by Paul Dano and starring Jake Gyllenhaal. And Carrie Mulligan, which um, mm. I went into not not knowing a whole lot about, uh, but really, really uh, kind of t- t- 
so had quite an impact on me uh, in terms of the subject matter. It's about you know uh, parents and marriage and uh, and how that affects kind of you know a young child and things like that. And I thought it was, it was beautifully shot. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the story. I kind of liked everything about it, really. So, uh, and throughout the entire movie, there wasn't any kind of point where I was bored or thought that it it went off track. It was just fantastic from start to finish. So, that's my movie of the year: Wildlife. Yeah, I love that. Each of your picks are movies that I'm very aware of and just haven't had a chance to see yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I'm really excited to see Wildlife, particularly. Sorry to bother you, I'm excited in the sense that I really know nothing about it, but I've heard that's excellent. Whereas Wildlife, I, I know who's in it, I know who directs it, and I know that they're all fantastic, so I'm really excited to see both of those. There you go, movie of the year. Sorry to bother you, Coco and Wildlife are our top three, so check them out if you get a chance. Uh, up next, we got a Game of the Year. Yeah. The hotly contested one. I went back and forth on uh, quite a few different things on this. Get a little plug in. You can hear me and the lads over on the, the Link to the Cast podcast debate this for six hours. If you got nothing better to do with your life uh, <laughs> after listening to this, you can you can hear me back and forth about this. Um, uh, lots of great games last year: uh, God of War, Hitman, Dead Cells, Astro Bot. Um, uh, I've I've brought a blank on some other ones, but you know it was it was a good year. Uh, but yeah, I I don't think I I wrung as much enjoyment out of anything this year as much as I did with Spider Man. Um, it really was just um uh, so satisfying to play and so charming with 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 the uh, the story and 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 the, the graphics and the music and it, it was a, it was a pretty complete package. And you know it, it wasn't perfect. There was some stealth missions I didn't like, and there was some repetition. But I, I just can't uh, uh, shake the sheer amount of time I spent in that game was uh, was pretty staggering. So, um, so yeah, uh, Spider Man was my favorite. Probably uh, God of War and Celeste. Actually, that was the, another thing I was drawing a blank on. Uh, Celeste was absolutely tremendous. Uh, yeah, so Celeste, God of War, uh, honorable mentions there. Other stuff like Tetris Effect. You know, just lots of great stuff this year. But uh, Marvel Spider Man for me. Um. Yeah, I. Uh... I only had two honorable mentions. I don't know. I feel like like movies, I think this year, and I, I might be uh, on my island on my own here, but I feel like this year maybe wasn't quite as good as last year when it comes to video games. Uh, honorable mentions to God of War and Spider-Man. Uh, but for whatever reason, every game I played this year, even the ones I would thoroughly enjoy, kind of had a, an asterisk or had a, yeah, I really enjoyed it, but... Like, God of War I really enjoyed, but I f at points I found it a slog to get through. Um, Spider-Man I really enjoyed, but very <laughs> repetitive, and um, in terms of 100%ing it, which I did, um, again, a lot of repetition, a lot of doing crimes that aren't necessarily very satisfying to play, even though the the main story was. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I end up not even giving an honorable mention, even though I mentioned that it might have been my game of the year earlier in the year. Um was both a slog and repetitive. So, unfortunately, is uh, f falls out of the Game of the Year conversation. So, my Game of the Year, and this is going to be a surprise for people, I think. Uh, I, on I only played for the first time this week. But... Oh, the cop's gone by there. 
Uh, my game of the year is Astrobot Rescue Mission. Hell yeah. Um, because uh, not to fall into the talking, you know, talking in purely cliches, but there were there were parts in, in the game where something would happen, or I'd look around a corner and see something, and I just laugh to myself and I do a big old smile. And <laughs> I think it's like it, for me, I, I, I've played VR games before. Um, but for me, it was it was almost like that moment where, when the Wii came out and motion controls were kind of uh, in vogue, and there was there was just the first time you played and it kind of clicked. And you're like, yeah, this is this is great. Um, sitting down and playing Astrobot for the first time, and getting to the level where you go underwater for the first time. Yes, I, I love. I was like, that. this is fucking amazing, <laughs> you know. And like I said, I uh, I played it for the first time. Uh, Christmas week and in a week I'd already beaten the game and collected every collectible in it so um, not a game that at any point feels kind of frustrating in terms of if you miss something going back and playing the level again because playing the levels are, is just such a joy <laughs> like I happily played the same level 10 times in order to collect everything um, because the music is great I, also, I, also, I, haven't, I haven't touched any of the chameleon levels yet because I know when I finish the game, I'll want to play them. I've, no, done, I've, done, a few, I've done a few of them. I've done a few of them. I don't know whether, for me, they're necessarily as, as fun as the main game. Because the appeal to me of the main game is, is that it's kind of leisurely. And you can kind of work your way through it. And stop at points and look around. And, okay, have I got everything here? Before you move to the next point. Uh, the challenge levels are a little bit more pressurized. A little bit like, okay, do, do this in a certain amount of time. Or beat, these enemy, beat a certain number of enemies or whatever. So not quite as fun. Uh, for me anyway but um yeah astrobot gave me a feeling that no other game this year did so um maybe in, in years when we're we're all living through vr we'll look back at look back at astrobot and be like a quaint little platformer but um, yeah just for this year i, I thought it knocked it out of the park fantastic yeah it's really lovely and it's one of those things that you put it on and you're like okay i get vr a bit more now uh, like one one thing about it that I don't think I really uh, appreciated in VR until I played this game was how well the kind of 3D effect of it works. Yeah. Where there's like levels where you're in a little cave and you're like looking at the walls, going, I, "I'm in this cave. <laughs> this is real. <laughs> <laughs> this is all. This is real reality." <laughs> uh, but Nat Nat played a little bit of it, and she was like, uh, "This is maybe a reference that Joe will get more so than anything." But she was like this is kind of like being on one of those little Disney rides. Um, and it definitely felt a little bit like that, where you're like, you're real kind of, not claustrophobically so, but you're kind of, you have this these walls around you, and you're looking around, and you're reaching out at things, and ah, it's just great. It's just so good. Um, Joe, have you played video games this year, and do you have a favorite? Um, I've not played any console games this year, because I've... Um I don't have my PC at the flat, so I have no um, nothing to play on. Um, I'm going to give my Game of the Year award to the uh, same game as last year. It's called Eggs Incorporated. <laughs> I'm still playing it. I've been playing it. Um, no, when did we go to Barcelona? 2017. Yes. I've been playing it since about March 2017, so it's coming up on two years. Um I've made an awful lot of eggies and an awful, <laughs> lot of, an awful lot of chickies. What was good this year is that they actually, after not updating the game for about probably a year, 
the uh, the developers actually added a whole load of new stuff to do. So it was actually kind of worth playing. Previous to that, I'd completed everything. It was there was no real nothing to do. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so that's my game of the year. If you haven't played Eggies, play bloody Eggies. It's Egg Inc. It's free. Uh, it's great. That's got to be that's got to be one of the fir- first back to back winners of game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> we need to co- we need to contact them and give them they can put that on really, the really, on the app yeah, store or something. Well, let's listen. Uh, uh, it's Barry here. That's right, the Barry. Yes, are after winning game of the year again. Yeah. Again, yeah, it's really unprecedented. Do you want to send us some free swag or something to celebrate this or what? But uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, that's your your game of the year: Spider Man, Astro Bot, and Egg Inc. Uh, uh, three great games, and I, I kind of agree with you, but I, I think I think last year was a bit better. Well, there you um, go, two PS4 exclusives and an egg game. Yeah, so so Wonderful. it's a good year to own an egg. Um, Let me just say, moving on to the next award, I only added this award uh, so that I could speak about one music that I listened to this year. I don't know if you guys have a favorite album or I whatever don't, of the year. But uh, I just wanted to add because we already started. I, 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 I should say, really already started doing the music reviews this year. But I wanted to give a shout out uh, our first ever CSP Music of the Year, uh, and I need to give a, a big old shout out to my boy at the Barry Lad for recommending this to me. Uh, Frank Field uh, Underside is the best. It's an EP, but it's the best record I listen to all year. And my favorite band brought out a record this year. So that's high praise. Uh, so if you've not listened to Frank Fields' Underside, please listen to it today. It's great. And he deserves listens and views and clicks. And it's uh, it's on, it's on, on Spotify. All it's on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah, I, I don't really I haven't really listened to enough this year that I would make a, I'd have a music of the year. But I, I would probably put that up there if I had to pick. So that's a, that's a good show. What about you, Joe? Did you listen to any records this year? Um, yeah, I, th- I think the only one I'd listen to on repeat was probably uh, Invasion of Privacy by Cardi B. So um, in terms of that, other than that, I was listening to a lot of stuff from sort of 2017. Because I don't know, I guess I'm a year behind. But yeah, Invasion of Privacy, Cardi B, really, really fun album. Some real bangers on there as well. Yeah, I, I really liked um, Scars on Broadway, Dictator. I really liked Ghost Prickell. And I really liked, um, what's the guy? Benny the Butcher, Tana Talk 3. They were th- also three excellent albums that came out this year. But Frank Fields, I've listened to that EP probably about 100 times <laughs> at this stage. I just really, really love it. It's just great. Yeah, I, I, I listen to it a lot. Uh, yeah. So uh, we will move on now to the worst part of the show. It's the Wrestling Award. All right. So uh, let me see here. We're going to kick things off with Feud of the Year, um, uh, which is a self-explanatory award, the best feud of the year. I don't think it's been a great year for feuds, um, uh, specifically in, in WWE. Um, uh, you know, and I don't want to, and I really don't want to give it to things like Gargano and Champa, with the premise of, of me giving it the award being, well, it was good for a while, and I'm gonna like it was good at the start. The, 
Yeah, I don't want to do that because I don't think that's fair. Either. Well, I gave it a, I gave it an honorable mention based on that, and and for the same yeah, I, the I, same reason, I I gave the uh, who attacked Alistair Black storyline an honorable mention. Right. Okay. I, I I would give an honorable mention to Becky Lynch versus Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that's been pretty damn compelling. Um, for the most part, they've battled each other a number of times this year in a number of different circumstances, and I, I think I thought obviously that that ties into the evolution of Becky, but also the you know the growth of of Charlotte as well in the tail end of the year specifically. So give that honorable mention. But my feud of the year, it could really only be one thing. I, I have to give it to uh, Walter versus Devlin from from OTT uh, for the, the caliber of matches they've been in and the the quality of, of the interviews and their video packages and and the big fight feel that you and I have been present for, uh, uh, Paul. Mm. Uh, it's, it's really hard to dispute that they, that OTT uh, tapped into the heart of the fans with that one and, and, and uh, are really uh, really knocking it out of the park. One of my favourite things in 2018 and, and still going strong as we head into 2019 as well. So looking forward to the to the next chapter in that one. Uh, but what about you, Paul? What's your what's your feud of the year this year? Well, I, I in my awards, I'm kind of trying as much as I can to steer away from OTT in the sense that it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a little bit niche. A lot of people won't have seen a lot of the stuff we would otherwise be discussing. Um, so I've given my feud of the year <laughs> to Walter Devlin because I, <laughs> I, I think this was the thing from OTT that that did kind of cross the threshold into the wider consciousness through the video packages and then putting the, the video up for free on their YouTube and, and Meltzer talking about it and you know, it kind of, it kind of became became bigger than than just that OTT sphere. So for this award, and th- I think this is the only award for me that I've actually done this is I, I there was nothing as good as Walter Devlin from this year. I mean, I don't think anything came close, um, and in, in, from any company. So I've I've also gone gone uh, Walter Devlin. What about you, Tony? Um, I'm just going to preface all of my wrestling awards by saying that I have watched the least amount of wrestling I've watched this year in probably since 2008. Um, so I'm picking my awards from a very limited pool of about five pay-per-views and a couple of episodes of TV. Um, so I'm not going to put a lot of stock into these awards. You know, if if people want to email in and say, Joe, Townie, you've got it wrong. Then you know what? I'll hold my hands up. <laughs> You've got it. You know, I'm not going to argue with you. So, uh, feud of the year, I went with uh, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte, just on the strength of Becky Lynch's wonderful performances and promos. And I think Charlotte's shown some, some really good stuff this year as well. As much as she's criticised in some circles, I think she's actually pretty good and has, has improved this year as well. Yeah. Very good. Already, uh, I don't think you get many emails given out to you about that one. To be honest, no, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, match of the year, uh, I, I did some catching up uh, on match of the year uh, contenders over the over the Christmas break. Uh, I watched some at around four a.m. on New Year's Day uh, while extremely drunk. I had a hell of a time. Uh, <laughs> Honorable mentions to the G1 finals, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kota Ibushi. Incredible match. Incredible match. Uh, I finally got around to watching the 70-minute uh, Kenny Omega uh, Okada match, 
which I did really like. It was too long for my taste, but I still really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a superb match. Uh, additional special mentions to Zack Sabre Jr. versus Walter from Progress. That match was incredible. Uh, Kyrie Zane versus Shayna Baszler from Evolution had, I think, like my favorite individual performance of the year. I thought Kyrie Zane was incredible in that match. But, you know, again, something of a foregone conclusion. I'd have to go uh, Walter versus Devlin from WrestleRama 2 as my match of the year. It was a match that was both great, but even felt like a special occasion. I felt like I, I got to see something, you know, historically significant, for lack of a better phrase. That's what it felt like to me being there for that one live. So uh, I really, I, I can't even uh, pretend to give it to anything else. Um, that That's the match that, that uh, impacted me the most this year. Uh, what about you? Uh, we go to Joe this time. Any you know, any of the five pay-per-views you watch? Anything jump out at you? Um, yeah, so uh, I did have a match I really, really enjoyed this year. Uh, I can't find my list. Oh, here we go. Um, I know that, obviously, if you go through uh, Melty's list of the year, there's probably about 25 uh, five-star or six-star matches in there that, that I haven't seen. So I, you know, bear that in mind. Um, but I would say honourable mentions to, firstly, a, a strange one, but the Women's Royal Rumble. Um, yes, yeah. yeah the first, first ever Women's Royal Rumble. <laughs> Although, you know, technically, was it up there with some of the great matches of the year? I don't know, but I actually really enjoyed it, and it's the first time I've enjoyed a Royal Rumble match in quite some time. Hmm. Um, and I, I thought just the way it was booked and the fact that you had a lot of surprises and, you had, you know, anyone could have won it, it was, was really, really good. Um, also the, uh, takeover New Orleans, uh, North American title ladder match, mm-hmm. which, oh yeah. Oh, wow. Really, 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 really good. Um, I don't like ladder matches anymore, but I actually really enjoyed this match. So that's kind of, kind of tell us all you need to know. Um, really good performances by everyone in there. And, and, you know, that certainly deserves a five star rating or whatever you want to give it. Mm. Um, but I'm going to give my match of the year to a six-man tag match from night one of the UK tournament. Mm. Uh, it was British Strong Style versus Undisputed Era. Um, so it was a, they had kind of two matches. So there was a six-man on night one, and then they had the tag team title match on uh, night two. This mm. was just a really, really fantastic six-man tag. It was only about 12 minutes long, but... Um, Two really, really kind of over teams in front of the in the front of the British crowd, uh, and have put on a really, really good match. Great, great performances, great action, uh, great kind of set pieces. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, great. That was, and that's. I think that's actually uh, uh, worth the shout. I know, Joe, you probably didn't see much of it, but that's probably worth a shout as well, even for the uh, the feud of the year. Um, mm. uh, they had a television match as well that I think. Was was very highly regarded, but yeah, good good shout there on the uh, the match of the year. What about you, uh, Pauly Griffoids? Yeah, I have a lot of uh, honorable mentions here, so just uh, indulge okay. me for a second. Um, we're, 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 you know, it's a award show. We're being positive. We're giving out praise. Let's let's <laughs> all of these By matches. The way, are, we doing, are we doing worst off this year? Uh, we might be here till like 2020 if we do that. If you have if you have some worst offs, just throw them out as well. Okay. Okay, I'll chuck them out. Uh, um, yeah, okay, you, Paul, you do your match of the year first. Uh, so, Mustache Mountain Undisputed Era from NXT TV, the one with the leg, selling the leg, I thought was great. These are all NXT matches, by the way. Uh, six-man ladder match for the North American title, which Joe mentioned. Uh, Alistair Black against Andrade Almas from the same show. Uh, Pete Dunne Ricochet 
from NXT TV had a banger of a match. Mm. Uh, I think the first really excellent match I saw this year was uh, the first Gargano Almas match. Oh, yes. How did I forget that? Oh, my God. That match is incredible. Which was really, really eye-opening in terms of how good both of those guys were. Uh, mm. But my match of the year, and definitely one that I think is is very personal to me that a lot of other people won't even consider for match of the year, uh, for me is Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream. Uh, which I think was from... Which takeover was it from? Takeover Chicago 2? It was, yeah. Takeover Chicago 2. Uh, just because what I loved about this match was how much it, like their feud played into the match. Um, this this was the feud, you, you recall, which had Ricochet doing a flip out of the ring. Oh, yeah. About them kind of one-upping each other and like Velveteen Dream trying to trying to outdo Ricochet as a, as a flashy, flamboyant high flyer. And he, he goes for the big elbow at the end where he could have had him put away, but he had to show off, show off one last time. And just everything they did in that match, I thought, worked not only as a match on its own merit, but as the culmination of a feud, I thought it was perfect. Even though some of the other matches that I gave honorable mentions to might have been, like I think, objectively speaking, the Gargano-Almas match was probably the best match I saw all year. But Velveteen Dream Ricochet, I just really got into on that level. I was kind of marveling at you know, how smart a lot of spots are. I was like, oh, that's a reference to that thing that happened. Oh, that was really great. So that's my match of the year. Good stuff. Uh, worst matches of the year. I don't have a definitive winner, <coughs> but uh, Martina versus Veda Scott from WXW. Horrendous. Uh, just. <laughs> Just Jitsu was horrendous and felt like it was about 45 minutes long. Um, any really bad WWE matches this year? I feel like I don't remember any. Ruby Riot versus Natalia was pretty bad. Um, I can't think of too many really bad WWE matches this year, I suppose. Uh, any matches jumping out at you, lads, for worst of the year? Well, I went with uh, Brian and Shane versus uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn from WrestleMania. Um, Great shout. Great shout. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the most disappointing thing ever. <laughs> the worst booking ever. Yeah. Brian on the floor, just selling for ages. Just, yeah. Um, by the way, just back on the, 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 um, the previous topic, uh, obviously Paul talked about uh, you know Venom and, and, and The Predator. I mentioned there in passing as well. Worst movie of the year. I mean, Slender Man was... An, an irredeemable piece of shit. I mean, it was just absolutely... <laughs> it, it was barely 90 minutes. It was just, I think it was like 89 minutes, and I was looking at... I was like, how... This feels like it's two and a half hours long. It's so brutal. It's so bad. Um, uh, on a dis- dishonorable mention, take that, to uh, Happy Time Murders. I saw those two movies back-to-back, and I, I came out of Happy Time Murders going, well, there's no way anything is going to be worse than this this year because that is that is a piece of shit i, mean, I remember we we had a similarly bad double feature where Nathie and myself i think we saw back-to-back suicide squad and sausage party oh god stinkers they were yeah so um so there's our, our honorable well, let me give a little mention as well to the cloverfield paradox from netflix oh yeah which i didn't bother watching <laughs> and uh escape plan 2 uh, with Batista in it, also shy. And Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. 
dreadful. Uh, let's see here. Card of the year. Uh, this is always a tough one. Um, <laughs> there's a couple that come to mind. I mean, this is this is this, this to me. This is definitely a, a, an OTT award. I mean, because like the main the main companies I've followed have have uh, other than OTT. I don't know if there was been a standout card. Um, I'd probably go with the fourth anniversary show. Um, that was Osprey versus Walter, Timothy Thatcher versus Minoru Suzuki, uh, Naito and Lij versus Strickland, Bandito and Flamita. Really, just stacks. I remember the 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 build up to that show. Every day they were announcing matches. I was like, "What is this card? This card is unbelievable!" And then in execution, it was pretty damn great as well. So, uh, yeah, OTT 40th year anniversary uh, uh, show of the year for me. Um, in terms of, I don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if I know any real outright stinkers that I would give. Uh, oh wait, no, honorable mention for for best for best card of the year, uh, Survivor Series. I actually thought was great uh, with the Rousey Charlotte match and the uh, the Brock uh, Brian match. Um, the the takeover from that weekend was great as well. I mean, you can kind of give every takeover an honorable mention for card of the year. They're all great. They're all yep. tight focused and and everything has the right amount of time yeah worst of the year i don't know that anything really jumps out at me but i will say that ahead of time people were looking at that wrestlemania card saying on paper it was one of the best they've done in years and it was just painfully average bordering on bad at various points um so uh so i almost give it i'd give it that but that's kind of splitting hairs i didn't think it was any kind of disaster but uh yeah that's that's card of the year for me um yeah i've gone for I mean, a show that I've already mentioned. Uh, I went for t- uh, NXT TakeOver New Orleans, mm. which is the one with the six-man ladder match and the Gargano Almas, or the, sorry, uh, Alistair Black Almas match. Oh, the Alistair Black, oh, that match is great as well, yeah. yeah. That's that's a fucking cracker of a card, yeah. Yeah, so I went for that one. That was my favorite show of the year. Joe, any stand uh, Yeah. So, Ranking five quick. to one. Yeah, <laughs> worst shows of the year, WrestleMania 34, which is a bit of a cliche giving WrestleMania worst card of the year, but, it, it, you know, it was shite, and it's the biggest show of the year, and one of the few shows of the year that I watched, so get, get, gets that on. Uh, also, Great Story of Rumble, which was, uh, putting aside even the ethical side of it, was just a really, really long, boring load of old shit. Um, cards of the year... Honourable mention to NXT New Orleans TakeOver, as, as uh, Paul mentioned, with a ladder match and some other really other great matches on that. But my card of the year goes to one of the, the few uh, WrestleMania weekend shows I watched, and it is Joey Janela's Spring Break 2, a show wow. which I raved about at the time uh, for being just very kind of fun and silly uh, and having some kind of entertaining matches on it. Not necessarily great matches, but just very entertaining matches like uh, Nick Gage versus uh, Pentagon, uh, Matt Matt Riddle versus James Ellsworth has since been cancelled, um, PCO versus Walter, uh, and then a very very funny uh, battle royal uh, won by the Invisible Man. So yeah, just a really 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 fun, really really silly kind of show which I enjoyed a lot. There you go. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, gimmick of the year. It's a tough one, I think. Uh, uh, so a couple of different uh, ones come to mind. I want to give an honorable mention to PCO. Mm. Uh, 
for his absolutely bizarre whatever it is he's doing. Um, uh, you know, uh, more power to him. Uh, Marco stunt for like literally playing a child coming out of the crowd and on a, a different Joey Janela show um, there during the year. Um, I think we mentioned this guy last year, but Zach Gibson, you know, for his for his OTT work in the first half of the year. Um, what I would have to say, even though bell to bell, uh, uh, the matches uh, aren't aren't quite there for gimmick of the year. I have to say, I have been massively amused by Mister Leo Rush as uh, uh, Bobby Lashley's hype man. Kind of more so with the online stuff. I mean, Raw is kind of is what it is, but I've I've enjoyed I enjoyed him kind of following Bobby around and saying, no, 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 we're, we're, we're taking this car because we're all about smelling like money. <laughs> Bobby! <laughs> um, I think he's very, very entertaining. And it's the type of act, I think a couple of years ago, I would roll my eyes at, like, oh, this guy's a great wrestler, why you haven't been a clown? But I think it's great. And of course, you know, I have no interest in Bobby Lashley wrestle. That's the downside. But, you know, strictly as the gimmick, I think it's, I think it's very, very entertaining. Um, so I would go with that. What about you, Paul? Uh... So, gimmick of the year, I think, is a tough one because the person that I'm going to give it to, I don't ultimately really think of it that much as a gimmick as much as just, yeah, I've been impressed by by this one person's character work, let's say. I think they've really done a great job um, on the mic, which I I didn't think they were that good before, and just their kind of aura really uh impressed me so i want to give honorable mentions i don't hopefully i'm not spoiling joe's award here but uh, honorable mention uh to heal daniel bryan the new daniel bryan uh that might be one for next year uh quite enjoyed his work honorable mention for the man becky lynch of course yeah which um I, my one concern with that, I, I love what she's done with kind of elevating herself i think she's done an excellent job there uh, my one problem with it, is it, with it is that I think it's a little bit at odds with what I know Becky Lynch herself to be. It's not like Steve Austin, where you're like, well, that is who he is. <laughs> Becky Lynch, I think, I, I feel it's a character, you know. But um, along those lines, my my gimmick of the year is uh, Shayna Baszler. Oh yes. As that kind of MMA bully in the mold of kind of a Samoa Joe, but a little bit, I think it's a little bit less straightforward as Samoa Joe. It's a little bit more subtly to it, where she kind of she kind of can bully the whole division because she's got this MMA background. And like the other wrestlers earlier in the year were, were kind of scared of her, especially uh, Dakota Kai. And yeah, I thought I, th- I thought she did great great stuff uh, this year with with her character. So she's my yeah. She, she- she swaggers in a way that's just like really intimidating and cool. Yeah. So there you go. Even though she's actually shy at the old MMA, but don't worry about that. That doesn't. Yeah. That makes it even better. A character. Shy about that. Joe. Joe. Um. Yes. Gimmick of the year. So honorable mention to uh, the new Daniel Bryan. Um, I think it's really good reinvention. It's always a bit kind of worrying when someone does a heel turn. And it's a, someone who's very kind of popular, like a Daniel Bryan, but he's just done such a good a job embracing it and uh, finding something that will upset the public. You know, like 
veganism and recycling and terrible things like that. Mm. Um, but I'm going to give the award to um, Becky Lynch for Ooh. The Man. Um, I just I kind of agree with what Paul says. I think she's actually kind of nice and funny. But I think that almost makes it more impressive because she's done such a good job with it and gotten so over with the character. Um, you know, the, the whole kind of thing with Rousey and the, the, t- the interactions with like John Cena more recently and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just been really, really good, really entertaining and really good on social media as well, which is tough. Well, that's kind of the but thing you- is that she's like razor quick as well. Yeah, she's very, very, very good on social media, lives up, lives the gimmick on there, does a great job at that. So that's overall, I think, yeah, gimmick of the year by a long way, Becky Lynch. Very good. Alrighty. Now, I'm very interested in this next award because I had about 10 that I could pick from. So I want to see what you, <laughs> what you guys go with. Yeah, the Chris Breku Frap of the Year. Uh, this is for. Do we need to explain, me? by the way, to people who Chris Blake is? <laughs> it's been like uh, it's been Blake, like nine Chris years. Is, uh, Chris Blake is our, our good friend who we've known well as long as we've known each other, right? We've known Chris he, Blake. Yeah, he owns the forum that we all met on. He owns the forum that we all met on. I, does he? St- he doesn't know. Paul owns this site, but he he kind of owned the podcasting website that we originally hosted this show. And most importantly, with, re- with with regards to this award, he originally did host this show with us. This was a four man booth way back when, and um, he stopped after about like two months because he was a bit shit. Uh, not a bit shit. He was very. <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> he was definitely. He was definitely the flop of twenty ten. He was. Oh, yeah, that's it. That was it, you know. Um, uh, but, yeah, you know, um, so so we decided to name an award after him uh, uh, in his honor because we, we, res- we respect his contributions to the sport. But, um, yeah, as, as, as uh, Paul alluded to, I mean, tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of options. It's the, it's the good old, you know, this is a WWE award uh, uh, as far as, you know, I'm concerned. Um Flop of the year. I mean, honorable mentions to Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Big Cass, the initial return of Daniel Bryan. Again, the, some of these are talent based. Some of these are are creative based. You know, a, a person can flop for several reasons. So, you know, I, I'd have initially the return of Daniel Bryan in there. Big old flop. Um, I would say Braun Strowman, big old flop. He's not dead in the water, but not where he should be. But, and this might be a bit of recency bias because of uh, of some recent terrible performances, but I have to, I'm going to go with my gut on it. Uh, my, uh, oh, Baron Corbin, another, another person all over the show who's not over, who's terrible. Uh, my uh, flop of the year, my Chris Blake flop of the year is one Dean Ambrose. Um, who has continually hovered around the main event spot and never quite being able to attain status of the man. And this year in particular, with his big heel turn and the big emotional night where he decided to turn heel, the same night Roman Reigns left WWE for, for his health concerns, you thought, oh God, this, maybe this is it, maybe this is it. And for between him and the creative, I think it was a joint effort. I feel like he is a, a massive, massive, massive flop. And I feel like, not a, you know, I, I used to think that he was a talent that was wronged by the company, but now I, now I just feel confident he'll just never be the guy, as it were. 
Um, so, so yeah, I'm going with uh, Dean Ambrose for flop of the year. I think it's a good pick. I think it's a good pick. Uh, over to you, Paul. All right. Well, when looking at flop of the year, what I've done this year is I've taken the flop, uh, let's say, criteria to be, you know, how good they are, where they should be, and kind of what they've really achieved throughout the year and, and kind of the biggest discrepancy for that for me is flop of the year. So flop of the year for me this year is someone that I think is actually very good. But I think that they had a very poor 2018. And um, it's someone that if you listen back to our, especially our prediction podcast, I feel like every year almost, especially for like money in the bank. I, I, I think I've picked this person like three times for money in the bank. This will be their year, money in the bank. And for the last like five, six years, maybe the last, okay, four or five years, feels like this person was always kind of on the, the precipice of finally taking that like step up to the to the top right and he had a really really good uh 2017 i think he had a very good 2016 as well but 2018 the stars just in the line and uh, my flop of the year is the miz well, that's an interesting one that is an interesting one um had he was of course um in a kind of throwaway th- triple threat match at WrestleMania. He had that kind of feud with Daniel Bryan that they had uh, v- a very short, dissatisfactory disfa- uh, matches. He got shipped back oh, to SmackDown earlier in the year. I forgot about that Daniel Bryan. That's actually, yeah, that makes, uh, that strengthens the Miz case. Actually, that was a big disappointment. Um, yeah. Then more recently, he's been involved in this weird Shane McMahon storyline. Yeah, um, that's not. Yeah, so like when I consider the Miz the last few years, I think I think of the John Cena feud. Uh, I think of him kind of running SmackDown uh, for mm. for months, being like the highlight of SmackDown, and it felt like he was he was finally going to take that step. And then they they really bizarrely in the middle of twenty seventeen moved him to Raw just when he was right at kind of getting to the peak of SmackDown. And then by the time they moved him back to SmackDown, my God, it was too late. <laughs> the damage had been done. And, um, yeah, I, I think it was a very bad year for him, especially after the last few years have, have been very good. Joe, mm. how are you, Joe? Mm. Well, uh, honorable mentions to, uh, I think I gave these two honorable mentions off of the year last year, Shinsuke Nakamura and Brock Lesnar, um, who are two very, very talented very, very good professional wrestlers who have just been crap, really, all year. Mm. Um, I mean, Lesnar's maybe had a couple of good matches, so like with Daniel Bryan, but, but mm. overall, very, very disappointing. Um, big, big honourable mention, very, very close to flop of the year was uh, Undertaker versus John Cena, uh, the feud and the match at WrestleMania. Um, so these, yeah. this is this is really, you know, one of the all-time legends of wrestling versus the, you know, the biggest star, it's star of the last what 15 years. Um, they've not had a singles match really for must be more than 10 years. I think they had a couple of singles matches earlier on in Cena's career, Yeah, but since Cena became, you know, the big star, they've never had a singles match uh, on TV or pay-per-view. And, um, yeah, it was just the, the, the build up was bizarre 
with no actual match being made and kind of just uh, all these kind of delays and this weird sort of will they won't they thing and then the actual match was just nothing just incredibly disappointing it was it was a bizarre kind of squash match with no follow-up yeah it should have been that if they'd done it maybe a little bit earlier or if they'd done it properly it could have been you know what you think of as like an all-time classic match like a, a warrior versus randy savage type match maybe with you know uh, someone's career on the line but it was just bizarre nonsense um, but that's honourable mention. My my Chris Blakey flop of the year goes to World of Sport Wrestling on ITV. Hey, um, yes. Now you, you've got a time slot on Britain's biggest commercial channel uh, on a Saturday evening, which is you know a big slot for ratings, um, and you really just shit the bed. Um, by by presenting quite a sort of old-fashioned uh, you know presentation of wrestling, not something that I think would work for either hardcore fans or a mainstream audience. Um, the biggest failure really was uh, having precisely zero kind of video packages or introductions for the actual wrestlers as as characters. They did absolutely nothing to try and get them over as, as, as characters before sending them out to the ring, which to me is just bizarre given that every TV show, wrestling or otherwise, now does that. You know, if you watch Love Island, you watch Come Dine With Me, they have a little video package showing who the person is, why you should like them, why you should hate them, et cetera, et cetera. And then they go and cook a meal and everyone hates them or, you know, they try and shag someone and everyone hates them, whatever, it doesn't matter. But this, wrestling, which invented doing the video package to get people over as characters, and they didn't even do it. They just had a series of, you know, kind of okay to not great matches with weird editing um, yeah. in, a, in a studio in Norwich. And it, it, it just wasted such a huge opportunity. Um, after, something after, really, really good. after Osprey wins, like, Davey Boy Jr. is just like, well, congratulations, Will ruined my evening right you've, you've <laughs> sabotaged oh what a sad little life will anyway uh yeah that's my flop of the year that's a good that's a good pick i, I would almost want to give an honorary pick uh, uh mention to wwe uk as well which mm. uh takeover is in seven days or six days even baby nobody gives a shy i think it's i think it's a little early to conclusively call that a flop uh, that might be a flop for 2019 when they when they inevitably cancel it. <laughs> later sure. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing about World of Sport is that it's. I think they are technically still doing some more tapings, but God knows when and if it'll make air. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's fair. Uh, tag team of the year. Uh, a couple of decent options here um, this year. Um, uh, I think on Irish shores we have more than hype. I give them an honorary mention. Um, uh, they're great, but in terms of people that I've been able to see live, but also I've watched their stuff on demand as well, uh, and you know for other promotions, I, I I don't know that there's been a team I've enjoyed watching more this year than Aussie Open. Uh, I think they have been. Very, very entertaining. I've enjoyed their work in OTT. I've enjoyed their work in Progress. And I've enjoyed their work in WXW as well. I've also enjoyed their work as singles uh, singles guys as well. I think they're generally just two really great performers. And uh, yeah, 
they would be my tag team of the year. Oh, very good. I like Aussie Open a lot as well. They're very yeah. good. Um, I mean, for me, there's only one. It's one one tag team of the year, and that is uh, Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Roderick Strong on the Spewed Era. I mean, I think they're two of the best wrestlers in the world. <laughs> it doesn't get it doesn't get much uh, simpler than that. Um, I tell you what, I don't want to get fucking in trouble here or anything, and I don't think it's necessarily as severe as as all that. But I I think it's kind of damning that I didn't even consider Kings of the North for tag team of the year this year. No, yeah, they they didn't have a great year. Yeah. I think hopefully better from them from Nick for next year Joe tag team of the year uh, I'm going to go for Undisputed Era as well based on the all the NXT matches I've seen this year they're really really good really close great. close behind them Moustache Mountain yeah um, yeah that's a really great matches yeah both, both really good teams yeah there you go Aussie Open Undisputed Era that'd be a nice match to see someday that would be a great match, actually. Yeah, I like that very much. Maybe, I don't know, that could evolve or progress or something. One of these... Uh, <laughs> Maybe Dean Ambrose pre- can have a match with The Miz on World of Sports some days. Huh? <laughs> God, imagine. Uh, uh, moment of the year. It's been a memorable year of moments, I will say that much. Uh, good and bad. Honorable mentions. Uh, Kenny Omega winning the title at Dominion. Uh, uh, Jordan losing the title in OTT. Um, uh, we got to, you know, we got to see Keith Lee's European farewell uh, in in OTT, which was very cool. Um, uh, but my moment of the year has to be uh, uh, Becky Lynch invading Raw uh, on the uh, Survivor Series Go Home Show. I mean, it's a moment that is already, I think, burned into the wrestling fan uh, consciousness. Um, it was tremendous. It was tremendous to watch. It was then also tremendous to see people get so excited and worked up about it, and got the sense that they were, that, you know, people were were excited for wrestling again. Specifically, WWE. Very, very cool to see. And I think that we're still seeing the fallout of that now as she just like rides this tidal wave of popularity. So uh, yeah, that's my uh, moment of the year. Uh, I've also got well, I, I've gone specifically for the shot of Becky Lynch in the crowd with her arms extended. Yeah, with a bloody face. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- when I saw that picture alone, I was like, this is, this is a big deal. This is something. This is, this is Steve Austin bleeding in the sharpshooter. You know, it, it was that kind of moment for, for her. I don't think anything came close. I mean, honorable mention to, um, David Starr turning on Jordan. Jordan. Yes. Great moment. Honorable mention to Walter beating Jordan. Uh, and also a personal honourable mention to that time uh, Triple H and The Undertaker Irish whipped each other into the crowd barricade. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. but yeah, the Becky Lynch one. I mean, come on. Um, my worst moments of the year, I've got quite a few. Um, Braun and Nicholas win the tag team titles at WrestleMania. Oh my God, I forgot about that. I forgot After- about that. After all the build-up of, of Brown's uh, Brown Braun's mystery partner, and who that was going to be, and then yeah, that that Um Also, at WrestleMania, Asuka's winning streak ending at the hands of Charlotte, which I just uh, it was seen. Maybe you could rationalise it at the time. I just think it's so stupid. 
Um, the fact that they she then didn't do a whole lot for the rest of the year until obviously she won uh, the, the TLC match. But yeah, I think that was, I don't know, they could have avoided that. They could have beat someone else. They could have done something. Um, the McMahon's reboot Raw. So um, I feel like this has happened so many times. Um, you know, we, there's a landmark event. Right, we're going to get all the McMahons together to appear together. That will that will spell out uh, vibrant, fresh angles, storylines, and characters. The McMahons <laughs> back. Um, so it's like to try it. Um, HBK coming out of retirement. Uh, another kind of low point of the year. Oh yeah. Uh, I didn't want that, but God, it really kind of sums up the year um, in many ways. But moments, best moments of the year. Um, and in the number three, uh, Ronda Rousey cleaning house at WrestleMania. Um, so in, in the tag match with Triple H and Stephanie, when she got tagged in and then went crazy, and you kind of saw actually she she could be really really good in the ring. That was a fantastic moment. <sighs> kind of struggled over what would be number one because this next moment was a really really huge moment, but I think almost kind of forgotten in what happened afterwards is Daniel Bryan being cleared to wrestle. Um, oh, yeah, which was yeah, yeah. A, a long time coming and something, you know, a furious debate over the last couple of years as to whether they'd ever let him wrestle again. And then, you know, he came out and cut that very emotional promo about if you believe in your dreams, your dreams will believe in you and all that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously a brilliant moment given he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I didn't think you ever get to see him wrestle again or get to see him wrestle, you know, AJ Styles and, and all these, you know, other great, great wrestlers that have, have come through since he retired uh, or arrived in WWE since he retired. Um, but I'm going to give number one moment of the year to Becky Lynch. The man, this is what happens when the man comes around with the bloody nose on the steps. Really, really great moment. Uh, part of the, you know, why she won gimmick of the year as well from me. Just uh, fantastic. Wrestling's about moments. And exactly. she created a moment. Well done, Becky Lynch. And a uh, shout out to Becky Lynch. She wins. We have to. I uh, will sort this out. We'll mail it to Becky uh, in, in coming weeks. She wins uh, a PB and J sandwich uh, uh, because she has uh, Barry, Paul, and Joe uh, all on the all on the same page for the awards. So she gets the peanut butter and jelly sandwich uh, as a reward. Congratulations, Miss uh, Miss Lynch. But um, uh, up next, we got our Chris Jericho Stupid Idiot Memorial Award. This award. <laughs> goes to the biggest idiot every year and there's, there's never any shortage there is never any shortage of, the, uh, the award has always been called the chris jericho stupid that's idiot. it as well it's funny even though he only said like like a couple of years ago we've always had it what's up with that um uh so so we've got a couple of you know a couple of contenders there's always idiots i mean you know you've got your disco infernos you've got your um uh fucking um uh, Jim Cornette, Vince Russo's, all the old fogies on online. You've them. Uh, Road, Road Dog, who you've been arguing Road with. Dog, Road Dog, dunked, dunked upon by the Barry Lad, never to recover, owned again uh, uh, by me. He gets a, he gets a big fat honorable mention. Um, uh, but no, my uh, my stupid idiot of the year award goes to uh, Enzo Amore uh, for being a stupid idiot uh, in a number of different ways. But in particular, uh, his constant attempts to get back on Raw after being fired 
concluding with him being tackled to the ground by that hero of a security lady. Uh, there a couple of months ago there uh, on an episode of Raw, he was on the, standing on his seat at Raw making a scene and some woman just speared him like she was Goldberg uh, <laughs> uh, uh, onto the ground. And it was great. And I got great amusement from seeing him fall and, and hopefully hurt himself. Uh, so that's my, uh, that's my Stupid Idiot of the Year award for this year. Um, my runner-up for my stupid idiot, idiot, stupid idiot award. No, what stupid idiot <laughs> of the year <laughs> is uh, one Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Of course, um, a few different reasons. Um, he started the year off by relaunching the XFL. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we all remember that, um, and and holding a press conference where he was able. <laughs> literally unable to answer any question because they had absolutely no plans as to what they were going to do apart from a logo and football that's about it um the whole kind of saudi arabia thing was about the black stain although they got paid absolute fortunes for it it, it was kind of weird to get so involved so quickly with that regime um and there was such potential for, for bad headlines and, and kind of undoing a lot of the work they've done with the charity staff and the anti-bullying staff and trying to clean up their image. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. Uh, and thirdly, just the overall quality of the main WWE product, <laughs> which I think has just constantly deteriorated uh, to the point where I think Raw and SmackDown are unwatchable. No one ever even try. Um, however, however, um, the WWE stock price... Uh, at one point this year, trebled from the start of the year and now currently sits at $77, whereas back in January it was at $31. Yeah. Um, so as, as, as chairman, CEO of the WWE, Vince is still doing right. They just had a huge deal with Fox. The, they're making loads of money from, from TV, from the network. He's still got it, even though the product is the drizzling shits. So... He only gets the honourable mention, and the award goes to um, a fella who's uh, seven foot tall um, and got his ass turfed out by the aforementioned Vince McMahon um, earlier this year. It's big cast, and you can't teach that. Yeah, yeah, stupid, stupid idiot who can't get his way out of a bathroom <laughs> without assistance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's one of my favorite stories of the year. Good pick. Good pick. Uh, what about you, Paul? Um, my Chris Jericho Stupid Idiot Memorial Award actually goes to a tag team. Oh. Yeah, no joke. I had this written down before we started doing the awards. Uh, it goes to the tag team of Enzo Mori and Big Cass. Oh, very good. <laughs> For... Um, both finding themselves okay, not a tag team anymore, but in in pretty good positions, you know, on, on the card. Enzo Mori was kind of the head of the cruiserweight division. Big Cass, for reasons unbeknownst to anyone but Vince McMahon, was getting a push, quite a quite a push, big push for someone of his range, let's say. Uh, and yeah, they despite that, they both got themselves shit canned within four or five months of each other. Uh, so yeah, both of them. Uh, stupid idiots. Good stuff. Good stuff. Alrighty. And we're on to the big boy here. 
We're on to the award. Honorable mention, by the way, of stupid idiot for myself because I'm after fucking poking myself in the eye and I can't see. Ah! Oh. <laughs> Really hurts. God damn, that's good. All right, we're on to the uh, the real deal award here. The Lex Luger Total Package of the Year Award. Uh, previous recipients include, I think, Randy Orton, uh, Daniel Bryan. You know, yeah. that's the category of people we're dealing with here. Um, we have the list short. hang on let me find let me find quickly the list okay, of past on. winners uh, one second now uh, du, 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 du. Uh, I've got it you've got it you've job beat me to it um, so 2010 it was uh, Daniel Bryan um, I think it was a split decision. Daniel Bryan and Rey Mysterio. Daniel Bryan was majority winner. Uh, 2011 was Randy Orton, majority winner with Dolph Ziggler, uh, minority pick. 2012, uh, CM Punk. 2013, Daniel Bryan again, the only two-time winner of the Total Package Award. 2014, Seth Rollins. Uh, 20, 2015, Mr. Kevin Owens. 2016, AJ Styles. And... 2017, I can't remember because I'm uh, going to down. 2017 was Pete Dunn, I think. 26, oh, yeah, Mr. Pete Dunn. Good stuff. So, uh, uh, My award, as, as is implied by the name, my award is for the best wrestler in the world, the, 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 the most consistent wrestler in the world, wrestling at a high level all the time, someone who has the look, who's imposing, who's physically intimidating, and uh, not the most bombastic promo in the world, but his promos always deliver what you want out of them. You know, apropos of his character, my total package of the year award goes to Walter. Ooh. Big Daddy Walter, rest of the year. I was doing up a list there. I still haven't gotten a definitive top 10, but I was doing up my match of the year list and just... Walter, 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 up and down the fucking list. Walter versus Julia Dragunov. Walter versus Zack Sabre Jr. Walter versus Jordan Devlin. Walter versus this guy, that guy, the other guy. Just unbelievable year in the ring. Fucking incredible aura live. You know, promos, like I say, they're not they're not flashy, but they do the business. Uh, incredible pro wrestler. Just an incredible pro wrestler. Uh, and I'm, I'm very glad we get to see him on a semi-regular basis. So he is my, he's my total package for this year. A very good pick. A very good pick. But it's not my pick. Uh, yeah, Lex Luger Total Package of the Year Award for the best wrestler in the world. Um, so I'm, I belong of the belief that and we already kind of brought them up in our um, Tag Team of the Year. I'm long of the belief that Undisputed there are great because they have in their little group the top two wrestlers in the world Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly okay mm-hmm. however neither of those men are my total package of the year uh, just because I feel like they're at a stage in their career where they still have upward 
mobility. They, they still have heights to reach, right? Uh, whereas my total package of the year was a, had a bit of a question mark over over their head at the start of the year. Uh, kind of, they've kind of had the opposite t- trajectory, I suppose, that the Miz has had, where, where, like I said, he's not had a great year. This person, we, 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 we were discussing um, right around this time last year, how, how would their year go? Would they have a bit of a stinker of the year, or, or would it work out? Uh, happily to report that every time I've seen this person in the ring, they, they've overachieved, they've, they've blown the doors down, uh, and that is Ronda Rousey. Uh, I mean, we were we were asking ourselves: Is this person gonna gonna stink stink the bed, or are they gonna be good, good old classic Barry Land prediction? I'm fairly sure I said she would. She'd be out of the biz by now. <laughs> I think I think I've really like really enjoyed every match of hers I've seen. Even like I thought she had a great match with Nia Jax, and not too many people yeah. do that. So that's my pick. Hmm. This is, it's been a bit of a struggle for me, this one, because I don't have anyone who's stood out by a long way. Um, I've got a few, oh God, who should I go with? Okay, I can't. So my honourable mentions would be uh, Becky Lynch, as mm-hmm. we talked about before. She has some very good matches this year and, and you know, basically reinvented the business with her, the man character. Uh, kicked off a new boom period, basically. Um Secondly, I'd go for Mr. Matt Riddle, who probably a bit early to picking him because although he's, he's then again, he has wrestled so many different matches, so many different promotions uh, across the year, ended up in NXT. I think he's just fantastic. Um, when he like slingshots over the ropes and then f- uh, flips his sandals off into the crowd, I, I just mark out more than uh, any kind of move I've seen this year. He, I think he's really great. Um Honorable mention also, as Paul says, Ronda Rousey. She has been really, really good. Um, you know, is she the best promo? I don't know. I think she's good enough. I think she, the character works, and she does have good matches. Um, but I'm going to give my number one. It's probably a bit of an unusual pick, but I'm going to give it to someone who I've enjoyed both thinking about Total Package or enjoyed both the character and the matches of every time I've seen her this year. <laughs> and it is... Shayna Baszler. Ooh, there you go. Two women nominated for a total package for the first time ever. How about that? The worst podcast going, except for me. I picked a man, a big, burly, scary man. (laughs) The biggest, manliest man I could find. Yeah, I found me the scariest, manliest man I could. However, however, (laughs) for new listeners who don't know this, there must be one. So now we have to have our little discussion we have our three nominees who is the winner going to be um i think three very worthy nominees um walter like barry said i think has been involved in some fantastic all-time personally all-time great stuff um some of the some of my favorite i was gonna say some of my favorite matches but i suppose it's maybe more accurate to say some of my favorite experiences i've ever had um, mm. Being in being in the arena live for the Walter Devlin match, for the original tag match with Loki, 
and David Starr for the obviously then the sec the Walter Osprey match and the Walter uh, Thatcher versus Devon Starr match. Uh, yeah, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed all of those. Um, See, I of the two, I've not really seen enough of Walter this year to to vote for him. Yeah. I would back. I would change my vote and back Ronda Rousey. Um, to create a majority. So really, Paul, it's up to yeah. you. If you want to stick with Rousey or if you want to go... Well, I suppose it, it, the the fairest way to do it, right, is if the three of us had to eliminate our own nomination and vote for who our second place would be, then that would give a hierarchy, let's say. If that makes yeah. any sense. So, like, if, if I wasn't to vote for Ronda... If I, if I had to choose between Walter and Shayna, I would probably go go Walter um, mm. because I think Shayna probably, li- like I said with Roderick Strong, Shayna has, has had a great year, to be fair. I gave her mm. my character, my gimmick of the year. Oh, God, you know, that's a t- it's, really, it's really tough. But again, it's a personal choice because of the OTT factor. I... I was just going to say, I would be, I'm more than willing to, to vote Rhonda as well on that. I think we're all willing to go on the Rhonda boat. Right. Because um, uh, like, he has well, had an incredible year. It, the, the total package of the year award does have to, you know, accommodate who is the best wrestler, but also has to be a choice that represents us as a podcast, you know? Hmm. And, and the fact that Joe hasn't seen much of Alter, to me, um, indicates something, you know, that maybe he isn't he isn't the pick of the podcast as a whole necessarily um mm. shane has had a really good year though and and unlike um roderick strong the one thing about shana is that she's she's relatively early <laughs> in her journey and has already kind of reached such a high level whereas with roderick you kind of expect it from roderick strong you know mm. um and i think you can say that almost even more so of someone like ronda <laughs> you know um, uh, yeah, yeah. And I say, you know, Ronda had the best match at WrestleMania. I think most people agree, and it was her first ever match, which is um, pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, I thought the Ronda, as I said, the Ronda Nia Jax match I thought was great. I think the inevitable Ronda Becky Lynch WrestleMania main event will be something to behold. I think they'll probably have the first good WrestleMania main event in about five years. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Which is and then Rousey versus Charlotte, and then Rousey versus Shayna. Versus Shayna. Could be a good year. Yeah, I mean, the fact that only twelve months ago we were we were wondering if this person was gonna be any good, <laughs> you know, and now we're now twelve months later we're saying, oh, I can't wait for all these matches. Now, of course, Ronda's longevity in the company is apparently questioned how long will she actually be around for but i think she's had a hell of a year to be fair so are we, are we going to say ronda rousey then i think that's the best thing. Okay. well there you go that's that's the first ever female winner of the lex luger total package of the year award ronda rousey we've grown as a podcast we really have yeah do we uh will we call it there because i feel like the there's some news here that I kind of want to give it to do. I don't want to just breeze through it, but I, uh, you know, we, we've gone quite long here. So do you want to do like a, we'll keep this news on the docket and we'll do a bumper news edition next week or something. 
Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, next year we have our prediction show as well, which is like my favorite show yeah. of the year. So get ready ne- for that. Next week, not next year. For, uh, ah, sorry, uh, 2018, 2019. I'm still writing 2018. 2020 uh, predictions. Wow. Okay, well, I guess we can leave it there. Close us out, Barry. Alrighty, folks, I hope you have enjoyed our awards. I hope you enjoyed our 2018. Uh, and it's, it's going to keep rolling on with, with the 2019 shows. We're going to have more game. We're going to have more moving up. We're going to have some music up. We're going to have telly up. We're going to have life up. And we will, of course, have more wrestling news, reviews, takes, opinions uh, for WWE, various other companies. Me and Paul will be giving you all the live reports, OTT, all that other good stuff. And, of course, we'll keep reading your emails. So go to chairshoppodcast.com to get in touch with us and also to check out the episode archive. In the meantime, it's going to be goodbye. And one last time, have a happy new year from me, Barry Murphy. Same again from Joe Towner. Goodbye. And also, Mr. Paul Griffin. Goodbye. Happy New Year. See you next week.